0: Well, I'm recording you separate from me on my side, so as long as Skype doesn't poop out too bad, I may keep this track. I just want to have the other one just in case you're saying something really profound and Skype poops or, you know, we're talking over each other and I want to grab that. That's why I'm having you back up recording. Yep,
1: that's always a good idea.
0: And it'll sound better if you're recording directly from your mic to your computer than it will with skype anyway so um, i want to make sure the clip stuff i'm playing will be loud enough but not too loud so i'm gonna do that real quick yeah is that better
1: (laughs) yeah it sounds good
0: yeah yeah (laughs) not too loud not too soft or anything like that nope sounds pretty good on my end all right i'll do one more this is pretty much leveled all the way up to the negative six i like to record at
1: It's, like, too loud in my ears, but I don't care. (laughs) That sounds pretty good to me. I'm I'm pretty deaf, but... I'm sorry, what? uh, Yeah, what?
0: (laughs) Too many fucking Lillington shows for you, buddy. Yep. (laughs) Yep. All right. So I'm good to go. Let me just bring up my my notes and everything, and uh, we can get this rolling and get you back to hanging out with your girlfriend. Sweet. Sounds good. All right. So you know the drill. You've been on the show before. I'm going to mute all the channels.
2: Here we go. The following show will destroy your self worth with excessive expletives, overtly descriptive sexual deviance, and more desperation for external validation than any so called entertainment should ever be allowed. Two talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinnamon Psyops.
3: A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene.
2: Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar
4: impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. I was trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was
2: involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infest in every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The black plague of podcasting. Cinema psyops would and demand.
0: Welcome to the 220th episode of Cinema Psyops. I am not joined in the studio this week with Matt. He's out sick. We'll get into those details later. My name is Court. I'm the motherfucker that runs Botter Town. Coming to me live via Skype this week is Mark. How's it going, fancy?
1: Uh, hi, I'm Matt. I'm from Milwaukee and I drink a lot of beer and I've had seven dicks inside of me. <laughs> Holy
0: shit. <laughs> Just kidding, Matt. Damn. Love you. Dude is sick. No, he's he's legit like... Uh, is he dying? No, but, I mean, he might as well feel like he is. Um, I don't have a whole lot of the, the serious details because I don't care. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no pry into Matt's business. No, no. Um, basically, I get updates about Matt, and Matt gets updates... About me through the wife network, because his wife and my wife are really close friends. I'm sure that they would have this hierarchy of, like, best friendage that they would go through, but I don't understand that because I don't like having friends, so I just say, really close friends. (laughs) But so, like, Matt finds out what's going on with me because... My wife will tell his wife, and then his wife will tell him. So it's like this like grapevine thing. So the information I have about Matt being sick or better or anything like that has to do with this. Um, basically, he's over the cold, but as far as I understand it, he has an ear infection that has been a complication from the cold. You know, you blow your nose, the stuff gets into your ear, sometimes it'll cause an infection or what have you. Um, it happens to the best of us. I guess he had gone to the doctor for that because it's pretty... Painful or much a pain in the ass, and he can't hear out of that ear. I don't know if it's the right or the left or which one it is, but uh, he got antibiotics, and this was in the middle of the week after he and I recorded the Curse of the Crimson Altar on Monday, which he is very clearly not doing well. But he pulled it together and did that fucking episode. I'm really proud of him. He's a fucking champ. It's like that one episode I recorded with him via Skype when I had the flu. Right. <laughs> There's been episodes of, of the show that Matt and I have recorded where we've paused for one of
1: us to vomit because we were sick. Oh, damn. That's metal.
0: And we just had to fucking, and we're just like, on oh, a second. And then we would go do what we needed to do and then come back. And that was more Matt than me because when he needs to do something, he will be a trooper if you can get him motivated to do it. Right. But so I guess he was taking these antibiotics and he's having a really bad reaction to them. They're just making him basically vomit constantly, even though he is taking them as directed and trying to follow along to the rules. He's just not doing well with them. So they went back to the doctor and then he got a prescription um, this weekend again. And he was actually at my Halloween party on Saturday. He was feeling better because they stopped giving him the antibiotics. He just had to deal with the ear infection. And, you know, that was just enough. And he's not really sick anymore. He just has the infection. And so he was at my party Saturday. And then I guess they picked up the scripts or whatever on Sunday at the pharmacy. They were ready. He took them. And it was the same thing again. He's getting sick as hell just from these scripts. Oh, geez. He'll tell the story more when he comes back, obviously. And I don't know if he went to work today or not or anything like that. But I gave him... This week off because of what i was hearing about him like i think it was like tuesday or wednesday where he was getting those those antibiotics and they were just making him sick constantly and there's nothing he could do about it where i was like dude you just need to take the week off right <laughs> i was like you fucking earned it man it's it's totally fine so that's that's kind of what's going on with him as far as i know and when i posted in the group that i wasn't sure what i was going to do you were literally the first person where you're like hey you need somebody I'll, I'll
1: fill in i'll do it
0: yeah and like right after you i had um rod from the nashy cast messaged me and asked if i needed anybody and then uh the voice of uh, this year's theme song jamie Jammons, she uh, messaged me and asked oh man you and there was you fucked up <laughs> <laughs> what picking you instead uh-huh. of those two
1: it was first come first serve mark well I, I guess i got that working in my favor but no nah, those guys are way better podcasters than me you done fucked up boy <laughs> Yeah, but I haven't actually
0: recorded a show that was just one on one with you. Nope. and I haven't. Rec- I've recorded one on one with Rod before, um, and I need to do one with Jamie at some point. So the next time this happens, I'm going to get a hold of her first and see if she can do it. Probably, right? Then, I, then I won't fuck up so bad next time.
1: <laughs> eh, I'll, I'll do my best. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, a, I'm a little rusty. Ah. I don't, I don't have my own show anymore. In case you hadn't noticed, and uh, the old uh, Midnight uh, Hip Hop. Horror, whatever the fuck that show is called, is on a little bit of a hiatus. So uh, the ever-changing
0: name of show that comes out to TMHS, yeah, right? We just
1: call it like previously known as because it's had so many names over the ten or so years we've been doing that show. But yeah, that that one's on a break. I haven't done a show of mine for two, two years, something like that. Now it's it's a little more than a hiatus at this point. But uh, yeah. But you're a professional guest. Oh yeah, I love I love the guests. Like I'm I'm like I was thinking about it today. I'm I'm awful at listening to podcasts. Like I, I think I might like I, I realized on a ten hour road trip a couple weekends ago that sometimes I don't really like listening to podcasts, and it's just like, <laughs> which is weird because I've been I've been like balls deep in all this for so long now that like. I, I, I don't know, like it, it's, it's not so much that I like fell out of love with podcasting or anything. It's just, I've, I've found other shit to do for the time being. So I'm always grateful when I can sneak in a guest appearance and like my, my podcast homies are good enough to let me on their show. So,
0: well, that's kind of the thing that I enjoy more myself. Cause there's after 220 weeks straight of recording new content and putting it out, I have kind of burned myself out and I've been offloading more and more work on Matt because I can't do all of the shit that I've been doing because I literally do everything and when I was doing the notes too it was literally like what what you're doing now is what Matt would do only he would come into the, my house right. and just just show up and you know throw some quips or some stuff like that and like I've forced him out of his comfort zone because I've been like if you want the show to keep going and you want to keep doing this you're going to have to start to putting in some work cuz I can't keep doing all this yeah it'll drive you know? it'll
1: drive you crazy after you know years <laughs>
0: Right. And I mean, like, I still enjoy it. I still love doing this. I still love the audio production aspect of it. But I think a lot of the prep work stuff is really what, and I noticed it doing this episode. This week, we're talking about Joe Lynch's mayhem. And I did all the clips. I did all the recording. I did the notes, you know, for the clips. and I did all the editing. We talked about it when we were kind of like pre-recording the show here about, uh, how we're using our audio editors for audacity and stuff. And I got home from work today and I sat down and I did all the stuff that I normally do. And that's still the thing that I do. Matt records the clips, but I still do all the audio shortening and all of that. And I'm actually pushing for him to do those now too. Right. (laughs) So once he starts doing that, where he records all of his own clips, and then he actually does all the audio editing for his own clips, that will make my life that much easier. So that's kind of where I'm looking for the direction of the show to go. And we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm still having fun with it, but this latest iteration of it where Matt's doing a lot more of the work is a lot more fun for me because we're kind of sharing the load. So I kind of enjoy it that way. And I don't know when I'll ever even want to do a hiatus. I mean... I think I kinda just I have a number in my head of like how many shows I'm gonna wanna go to and then stop. And I think if I hit that that number then I'll just be good. And I, I might just sell all my shit. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. Peace out, bitches. Yeah, because it's like right now, I can't think of. And if there are any shows out there that have done that where they put out new content every week, you know, not, not doing, you know, and it's a weekly show, like, or whatever their time is. Cause I know there's like a, I think it's Geek Radio Daily. They do a daily show, but I think they just record it and release it, as far as I understand it. And so I couldn't do that, you know. <laughs> I like to throw in a whole lot of stuff and I like to make like a little bit bigger of a show. You know, I, I shoot for like an hour, hour and a half, give or take. Right. You know, so, but like, I, We don't know of any other weekly podcasts that have hit as many consecutive weeks with new content, not repurposed content at some point or re-releasing content just to put it out there. The clip show, if you will. Yeah, not necessarily a clip show, but like, let's say they do a crossover with another podcast that never got released to their feed and then they release that. It's not technically new content. It's just new content to their feed. Or it's like a live show that they did ages and ages ago that they then re-release several years later or something like that. Like a lot of podcasts will do that, which is great great they're still putting out something for people to listen to right. and they continue their streak i am trying my best not to do that even if i have to do like a quick music show or the one week i was like i'm gonna try and do a review by
1: myself which everybody hated <laughs> everybody I, I don't remember i don't know if i listened to that one that was just you by yourself
0: yeah, yeah, I did uh, reform school girls and all I got was negative feedback. They're like,
1: You fucking suck court, Aww. bring that back.
0: You're the <laughs> fucking worst.
1: <laughs> Dude, solo shows are so hard because you're just sitting there and you're you're more than likely doing it by yourself when you record it, and it's just you and you are your worst goddamn critic. Like you will just tear everything you do to pieces and sec- not just second guess, you'll a hundred guess everything you do and it'll drive you fucking crazy. I I have a attempted it and then thankfully never released him because I'm pretty sure I, mine would have been awful, too.
0: Yeah, I don't know how Johnny Krug did it for all that time that he did because his shit was always great. Yeah. And I don't know how he did it.
1: Some people are really good at it. And I, I think like your like ability to kind of write it out beforehand, like I, the, nobody should do like a, a thing like that where you're just winging it. Like you got to have a pretty good script beforehand, which <laughs> I mean. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's a different way of doing it. And honestly, like I think people would ra- probably rather hear me do something that I prepared for and wrote beforehand than just me going off, you know, off the cuff. Because sometimes I'm pretty okay at that, and sometimes I'm fucking god awful at that. So. <laughs>
0: well and mostly what we do is notes like we'll we'll basically write the synopsis of the film and then we'll pack some jokes into that i mean that's kind of what i started and that's what matt has done because he's kind of like um adopted some of my style of the movie review because that's just what he's used to and that's what he knows how to do and he's kind of made it his own now and done his own thing with it you know where he he's he's kind of morphed it into his style a little bit too but like that's all we have and for the longest time, people were like, you guys script everything, don't you? And we're like, n- n- no, we can't plan ahead that far. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I mean, just the notes itself, I mean, leads the like, if you ever get stuck yeah. on something or like you get to the like, just a joke falls flat. And there's fucking dead air. You can go go back to the notes. Like if you don't have the, even just that, like you, you can get just then you get the midnight horror show and it's just like a fucking giant orgy of fucking tangents and. What were we talking about?
0: (laughs) Yeah, kind of what we have here right now. And we've definitely uh, padded out the front half of the episode, or the front end of the episode. So um, we haven't even gotten to, like, some more important stuff, man. We were talking about it a little bit before we started the actual episode proper, but... uh, you've had quite a few uh, short films and videos and stuff that you've been working on that's uh, come out so like tell everybody about that shit man
1: so I had this is the second year that I've entered one at Fantastic Fest they do thirty second short bumpers which if you've been to an Alamo Draft house it's the thing that like runs before the movie the short little commercial deal they're not even commercials they're like short films basically but Fantastic Fest does one every year there's a theme every year. Uh, the theme this year was Urban Legends, so I went with, is Ted Cruz the Zodiac Killer? And it went over really well because Fantastic Fest is in Texas, so all of these like weirdos that show up for this festival all hate Ted Cruz to begin with, and um, it went over really well. The first time I got to see it was before a movie called Bliss, uh, one of Joe Bigos' new movies coming out. And I got the most primo time slot. It was midnight on Saturday when everybody that's still there is very, very drunk and, like, getting rowdy. And, like, especially for this movie, I think all of Joe Bigos' fans showed up and were fairly drunk and rowdy. And they all cheered. And it was, like, one of the best feelings ever. So Uh, it would be... Filmmakers out there, I I recommend doing stuff like this, like enter it, especially if you can go see it, like your local theater or something or something that you're going to. Um, and yeah, the uh, this last weekend when everybody else was going to Halloween parties, um, <laughs> it fucking blizzarded like hell here. So like I'm glad we didn't plan on any Halloween parties or anything because the weather got. Just awful immediately, and we managed to sneak downtown and go see the premiere, or at least the first time I'd seen it of the uh, the music video that I shot a bunch of stop motion for. Um, the band is called Pleasure People, and the song is called Miss Murder. And it's it's like a nice little five minute short film that we spent like a year working on, and it finally came out, and I'm super stoked with it. So go look it up on YouTube or. Uh, the, the places you find the music videos.
0: Did you post that in the group yet?
1: Uh, I don't think I posted the thing in the, the music video in the group yet, no.
0: Well, um, definitely do that whenever we're done recording, um, or at least whenever this episode gets released, so that folks can check it out. Because you do some really great work, man. I really dig your stop motion stuff, and you really bust your ass and you do things the hard way with like everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, kind of how I do the do it do it all all just ass backwards, just because I'm broken. I'm not working with great equipment, and I'm totally green at this. So it's like uh, it's been a fun learning process, and when shit comes together, that's that's a really good feeling. It makes like all the, the the tedious awful shit seem you know, like a thing of the past. Well,
0: the thing that I really enjoy about the Ted Cruz one is I actually went back and watched the previous one. I think you had it on like YouTube or something like that, that I was able to find it. Um, and I remember it was uh sheriff Harper going after Pennywise, the clown oh, yeah. selling drugs to kids or something. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There it's, I, and it was a thing where I, I think I'd started that on Instagram at some point. And they, uh, the, the first one for fantastic Fest was called chief hopper goes to town, I think. Yeah. And, it's it's just yeah, looking back on that I'm just like, Oh my god, I can't believe this played in front of like a bunch of like <laughs> played played in front of the guy that directed it follows and like <laughs> probably a bunch of a bunch of other people but yeah it's it's basically yeah just chief hopper ends up cutting off pennywise's head with a chainsaw and it's just this short 30 second like mean little weird fucking thing that i made and somehow i got it like i i i did really well like i i talked enough people into voting for me on the social media stuff that i came in like third with that thing out of like 20 so
0: <laughs> well and it was actually seeing this new one where, you know, you you got Tom Atkins going after Ted Cruz <laughs> as the <laughs> as the Zodiac killer. That, I mean you're hit you're hitting all the geek buttons that I want to watch this stuff and I can see your stop motion is improving as you go. Like you're learning how you're you're gonna do this stuff basically. Yeah.
1: And like I really only had like they, they announced the the contest. Pretty close to Fantastic Fest. And there's always a theme so that you can't just like recycle a video that you already made. And uh, yeah, Zero's urban legends. And I was just like, man, what? There's like 12 of them that got entered. They were all about Bloody Mary. So I'm glad I didn't go with something like that. It would have got, got kind of lost. I was definitely the only one that had a Ted Cruz might be the Zodiac Killer related video. So I, I had that working for me, but. Um,
0: well, and since it played in Texas and it played to a crowd of like really rowdy, probably pretty liberal folks that probably hate Ted Cruz, <laughs> I'm sure it went over like gangbusters. And I'm glad you got the ovation that you did. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you always want to see for your work. Yeah. That's, uh,
1: some people go their whole lives without experiencing that like one little moment where you're like, holy shit, I made something that people like so
0: yeah yeah totally that's exactly why i do this whole entire show my desperate need for validation
1: (laughs) feed me feed my ego
0: it's not even so much feed my ego it's make me feel like i have a purpose and i'm worth something
1: we all have a purpose (laughs) and we're all worth something court
0: Oh, but that means that we're all the same and with just nothing I do matters and I'll never be better than
3: anybody.
1: You just need to sit in your office and light some fucking nag champa and listen to some Tibetan monks in your earphones and say your mantra and everything will be all right. You won't by any means end up dead in the fucking basement and then later pissed on. <laughs>
0: that's a good segue to talk about mayhem (laughs) which is on shutter it's a shutter exclusive if you want to get a hold of it i ended up being a dumbass and bought the blu-ray before i got my shutter subscription but hey it's out there uh it's worth it either way i totally love this film not gonna lie i'm ready to talk about it let's take the break here we'll play the legion patreon ad have a little bit of music that is befitting of joe lynch's mayhem and when we come back we'll have the
3: trailer this'll keep it quiet oh hi there i didn't see you.
0: Kill Destroy by Guar, I, I thought pretty much encompasses everything this movie's about, right? It's a
1: Guar deep cut.
0: <laughs> I've got some of the deepest cuts of Guar that you could ever want.
1: Usually people <laughs> go with like Sadama A or like uh, fucking Womb with a View.
0: Yeah, Ragnarok's like my favorite guar album. I don't know why people don't like that one as much, but I guess they don't. But I fucking love Ragnarok.
1: It's underrated. The war, the song War Ghoul is like one of the fucking raddest songs that they ever wrote by far.
0: <laughs> well, the Think You Ought to Know This is something that I spontaneously oh, sing yeah. lyrics to for no reason at all. <laughs> and uh, it's much to my wife and everyone around me chagrin, you know. But I always follow it up with uh, Sleazy and I Think You Ought to Know This.
1: Nope. <laughs> He's going to make us snow up Guar noses. <laughs> Well, I don't have a segue, so here's a fucking trailer.
4: We're witnessing a model citizen here transformed into a brutal, bloodthirsty thirsty Killing
5: machine!
4: Welcome to the home of Towers and Smythe Consulting. TSC is a firm fueled by greed, duplicity, and moral decay.
5: I'm going to need some scouts.
4: What the hell are you doing? Firing you. I'm not leaving this building until I plead my case.
6: Sure. Good luck with
5: that. What
4: the hell is going on? Say hello to the ID7 virus. Stress hormone levels rise, causing inhibitions to drop, and basic instincts to rise to the surface.
7: Traces of the virus should be eliminated in approximately eight hours. What are we supposed to do for the next eight hours? Try to remain calm.
8: Hey, extreme measures, right? This is our
5: shot. I'm offering 150 grand for Cho's head. We're talking about murder here. You should be offering at least 450. Him? Yup. You want to do this the hard way? Enjoying this, aren't you?
4: I just kicked his
7: ass! No, it's a party! Oh, my God! Yes!
0: okay so i had to go on to shutter to get that trailer because my blu-ray did not have a trailer how fucking weird is
1: that what not even a trailer i mean i always laugh when those are listed as special features theatrical trailer oh cool you guys went to a lot of you went to the effort to go into the fucking marketing department to at least get this for my special features that i paid 20 bucks for
0: well there are special features there's like a making of and a bunch of other things on the blu-ray but for some reason the trailer's not on
1: there that's weird
0: but i mean i'm still super happy that i got the blu-ray i'm not gonna uh, like complain at all i just found um, it's a little frustrating things that movie collectors deal with, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, especially the trailers thing. That's fucking old school. Like, most of them, I think, know better nowadays.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so the movie Mayhem starts out with an explanation to give you basically the rundown of what's going on in this world. And that's my first clip. Say hello to
4: Dartellum 7 or the ID7 virus. Nasty looking little fucker, huh? For the uninitiated. The ID7 strain makes stress hormone levels rise, blocks neural paths, essentially attacking our id and throwing off a very important balance in our brains. The balance between emotions and reason that keep us from doing stupid shit. Things like punching your boss in the face when angry or fucking your date in public when horny. That balance is temporarily severed, causing inhibitions to drop and basic instincts to rise to the surface as the infected fall victim to what experts call emotional hijacking. Social media has tagged it the red eye virus for obvious reasons. So in a nutshell, basic human dignity takes a sick leave. The first reported case of the red-eye virus occurred 18 months ago in Des Moines, Iowa, and quickly spread around the world. Since then, there have been over a 1,000 confirmed outbreaks reported globally, over half of which are in the United States alone. The CDC is optimistic they can contain the virus immediately through mandated quarantines, and the nation will be virus-free by the end of the year as antibodies are being aggressively tested. They also state the virus isn't lethal, which is... Technically true,
9: but while the virus can't kill, the
4: infected, or Redders, can. Introducing Mr. Neville Reed, the first Redder to be officially cleared from murder. His legal defense alleged that those infected with the ID7 strain can't control their emotions, and therefore are not liable for the resulting actions. And thanks to a loophole, the case was dismissed. So, Neville lost his shit, stabbed a coworker repeatedly in the face till dead, and walked. Thanks to a doctor's note. God bless the justice system. Welcome to the home of Towers and Smythe Consulting. The corporate scumbags hired by the bigger corporate scumbags in the landmark Neville Reed case. TSE is a firm fueled by greed, duplicity, and moral decay. A place that that ironically screens their job applicants for honesty, loyalty, and integrity. <laughs> Qualities I had in spades when I was fresh-faced and ready to take on the world my first day here. And here's me six months later. Late nights, no respect, the bad coffee, all the shit that comes with paying your dues but none of it could slow me down. I was striving for the success my family never had. A seat at the big kid's table with all the fixins. all while paying back those goddamn student loans. But the higher I rose, the more I felt like I was losing myself in the process. And after discovering that loophole that won the Reed case, the requisite promotion quickly followed. But by then it didn't matter that I thought he was guilty as fuck. I just wanted the corner office. And for my sins, they gave me one. What a dick.
0: So subtlety is not what I would call Joe Lynch's best suit.
1: (laughs) No, he, he paints with a very large paintbrush.
0: Yeah, he he does a lot of broad strokes, but that clip really sums up everything that you're gonna need to know about this world that you're being pushed into. I mean, I I get everything that they're trying to say, and while he's being very um upfront about his personal feelings about corporate America, um feelings that I happen to also kind of share in some ways, yep. so I'm totally fine with that. Same. Um, I will fully straight out say, yes, this is painting with an extremely broad brush, but uh the type of movie this is where people get their id wiped away by this super rage virus, and I know it's not necessarily rage, it's uh id attacking virus, but rage virus is easier and cooler to say. Yep. Um so you gotta paint with those kind of broad strokes because this is literally filters being removed by a disease, and who knows when the infection sets in on any of these folks. So we also have a relatively unreliable narrator because when did he become infected? Is he still infected? Did he ever get those filters back? We, we don't fucking know. So paint with as broad of a brush as you want.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like Joe Lynch, like as a person and as a filmmaker, and just because like these are the kind of movies that appeal to like my angry eighteen-year-old self in a lot of ways. And- Same. But I also I, they still appeal to me like in almost every sense of the word like a, a, as an adult like even even just in this like quick like clip here at the beginning we get like like so much like you said information about what we're about to see like he definitely hates corporate America um, I lo- I man I I'm gonna harp on the soundtrack to this movie probably a lot especially as we hear some clips uh, that that's Steve Steve Moore score that kicks in at, at the beginning of this is also. I, I was really surprised that this movie didn't go with like a more heavy metal or punk rock soundtrack because right? it's, it's it's that kind of like the movie is, inspires me in the same way like a good punk rock song does like it's like if fist pumping is <laughs> I believe the phrase I'm looking for
0: this movie's like the fuck yeah guy in the back of a hardcore show got to make a movie yep that's exactly what it feels like yep that, that's who, <laughs> that's
1: that's who Joe Lynch was or. Yeah, Joe Lynch. I almost called him David Lynch for a second there.
0: <laughs> Which is a
1: confusion
0: he would probably be very glad to be having. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so during the clip, we actually see the violence that was described of the murder that the guy got to walk on. Um, basically the virus made it to where he wasn't culpable they found some kind of a legal loophole and the doctor said yeah he couldn't control himself so now when you're infected you can literally get away with anything and there's now this loophole defense that this evil soilist, soulless corporation that our main character works for was able to actually do and that's what helped him climb the corporate ladder so he freely admits yeah he sold his soul for this job and he's fine with that because this is what he thought his life should be and this is what he's striving to do is you know to get all the things that he never could have you know in his family normally so he's selling out for it uh and then after the clip we also walk into that empty soulless corporate environment and they really hype up just how empty and soulless and corporate this particular environment is that this character works in i mean this is worse than any office i have ever been to in my life
1: (laughs) the whole the whole thing looks like a calvin klein ad kind of like the lighting is very like sharp and like just bleak kind of lots of lots of like grays and like just fucking oh uh, it's just unappealing and like yeah i, I think it like it, it looks like shrina from uh the
0: shrina corporation from final fantasy 7 i know i mispronounced that but it looks like that actual building
1: yeah is what it yeah looks it's like, like heart harsh light like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's it's like every office building that i've ever been in basically
0: yeah but like cranked up to 11 it's like this really distorted hate-filled punk view of what these things are (laughs) well yeah Uh, so he happens upon a co-worker being chewed out there at the very end of the clip to the point where she is literally crying and then he interrupts the asshole that's doing it to show him a video of him getting blown during a christmas party which our main character uses to leverage this asshole (laughs) to leave that particular assistant alone and stop forcing her for what he said to overwork For a raise that is never coming. So you actually see that Derek knows how to play this corporate asshole game, but he actually is still somewhat of a good person. He likes this lady. He wanted to help her out. And he uses his one blackmail card for this guy to to do it because now the guy knows that he has it and he can't use that leverage later on to get something out of him, which he could have used.
1: It just it just but, it just ticks up the aggression in this movie like immediately because you know, in a lot of movies Derek's character would be super passive aggressive, it would get bullied and then some miraculous thing happens where he can overcome all of his bullying. He doesn't really like I mean he gets bullied by the people on top, but like the the fucking dweeb like that he shows the video to, like he doesn't he, he's smart and capable enough to not be pushed around by those kind of guys, you know.
0: Yeah, it seems to me like Derek also may be trying to overcompensate with his Choices of music and some of the things that he does in his life, like his friend that we'll meet later on that you alluded to. Right. I think he's trying to quell the beast inside because this virus doesn't turn you into necessarily a monster. All it does is remove the thing that keeps you from acting on the impulses that would make you a monster. So I can only imagine how horrible of a person I would be if I got it. (laughs) Yeah, same. Derek arrives at his office to find his coffee cup is missing. He always leaves it in his office and it's gone. And his assistant tricks him into a call with his sister and apparently has told her his boss is painting again. So his assistant is like in cahoots with the sister to get information on Derek because I guess Derek has shut her out because she probably doesn't approve of this corporate job and she wants him to do something to make himself happy and stop pursuing money. At least that's what I get in the like brief conversation that they have there. And somewhere the assistant likes Derek enough to try and help her. And he's like colluding with her on this. Did you get that inclination too?
1: I kind of forget if it was either that or if it was the opposite and it's just like general workplace shittiness. And she knows that he doesn't want to talk to her and has been blowing her off. And so she's like, fuck you. Here you go. (laughs) <laughs> it could be. She probably tricked him, and but it also seems like
0: the assistant is the one that told her that he's been painting, so maybe... Okay, yeah, you might be right. Maybe the assistant's been pawned off to deal with the sister too much, so now they kind of bonded over the fact that Derek has been basically, you know, abusing both of them <laughs> or yeah. something. I, I don't know. I just kind of got this weird feeling. It's like, why the fuck would the assistant just tell the sister that Derek's painting? And why the fuck is Derek telling his assistant that he's painting unless the assistant is buying the paints for him and stuff, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) It's just, I was trying to, like, figure out how that conversation took place that the two of them, you know, were actually to converse about Derek doing some kind of creative thing that is making him happy.
1: Yeah, that part goes by really fast. That that whole, like, bit of character development where he's talking to his sister, like, we get, again, a whole lot of information in a really, like, nice wrapped up little fucking box of a scene that's, you know... 40 seconds long maybe and it, it yeah it tells us like all of his like bad nor, nor a lot of movies would make this a whole scene where he's like back at home talking to his parents and he's all all bright eyed and bushy tailed and then we get him juxtap- juxtaposed it is shitty office life and how far he's come from that this this does that a lot more cleaner
0: yeah and also Derek does just completely shut this down like a soulless corporate douchebag where he pulls you know I can fire your ass on the assistant and basically more or less hangs up on his sister, and then his day progresses to go to a meeting with whom he assumes is another lawyer, and I've been talking long enough, so that's our second clip. How can I help you?
8: My client wants to pay this overdue debt to reverse the foreclosure. We just need TSC to tell the bank to allow more time.
4: I'm sorry to inform you, but our client has a strong no refinance policy. Then what do I tell mine? Would you be open to discussing the possibility of a deed in lieu? Hmm. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? You should see a lawyer. I am a lawyer. If you were a lawyer, you would know what a deed in lieu is. You're one of the borrowers, aren't you? So
8: what's a deed in lieu? It doesn't matter.
4: Bank wouldn't agree to it anyway. <laughs> Look, you're not the first borrower to try to pull this kind of scam. Miss, this is a non-smoking room. So come stop, suit. suit.
8: Wait, we just need two more months? Families are involved here, but nobody listens. Not the banks, not the lawyers. I can't get past their damn secretaries.
4: Look, I am very sorry this is happening to you.
8: Then don't kick me out.
4: The bank is kicking you out.
8: The bank is your client.
4: It's the firm's client. The firm's partners call the shots.
8: No one raindrop
4: thinks it calls the flood.
8: My mother used to say that. Now I understand what it means.
4: Is there anything else I can do to help?
8: You can start by telling me the partner calling the shots on the case.
4: Sure. That would be, oh, shit. Irene Smythe.
8: Well, I want a word with this Irene Smythe or whoever right now.
7: Sure,
4: let me get her on the phone.
6: This way, ma'am. Get off me! We're not done here.
8: You're in deep shit. Brenda wasn't feeling well, so I had to go out to the penthouse to cover for her for a bit. Uh huh. Turns out the boss is meeting with Kara and. I'm pretty sure they were talking about you fucking up a Vandercorp case or
0: something. Wait, what?
4: You? I don't work Vandercorp. That's Kara's client.
0: I know, right? Okay, so he's actually a corporate douchebag himself here because he completely doesn't even try to help the person. He's annoyed by the fact that she even is there and that she pulled this ruse to try and get someone to listen to her to talk to her. And when she gets a little aggressive with him, he uses the first opportunity he can to essentially call security and get her dragged the fuck out.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely a corporate douchebag kind of move. He's, he's just like not even listening to her through the whole thing. He's like kind of looking at the shit in his hand, like the papers and stuff and not making eye contact with her. And you can tell he's a little bit uncomfortable. But at the same time, he's like very comfortable doing this kind of thing and even says so. You're not the first to come in and do this. And she's man, like, she's playing the sad puppy dog in this scene so hard. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, just, in, again, in, in less capable hands this scene is where you turn on your protagonist and it's really hard to come back from that when you make him out to be such a douchebag. But, uh, this, this one, this one does pretty well.
0: What's really interesting about it is we're already on Derek's side as he's coming in because he's already just kind of telling us, like, I've totally sold out. I don't like who I've become. I don't like the choices that I'm making. I hate myself for what I'm doing with this job. And then we see him do the exact same thing that he says that he hates himself for doing. And it's not until what happens later on that he really kind of realizes that he's living a lie and he's, like, you know, telling himself all these lies. So the biggest person that's being cheated by his asshole behavior is himself. Again, broad strokes that they're painting here, but it works. And it actually is doing it quite adeptly, especially with the stuff that Samara weaving is doing here, because she's scared she's enraged and all of those different things that she's jumping around in with that conversation that they have i mean there's one point where she becomes really vulnerable and it's just like yeah i'm the tenant i don't want to lose my house how do i not lose my house you know and then when he just basically goes right back into asshole corporate mode and won't even like recognize that she's another person that's when she lights up the cigarette and then things just kind of Escalate quickly from there. <laughs> so uh, after the meeting, we see Derek gets uh, infected with the rage virus. And I don't know if uh, Samara Weaving's character, Melanie, brings it in, if Derek had it or or what. But we just kind of see... The virus was in the water, at least. We know that. How it got in the water, we don't know. But the water that he drank and that she also drank at that meeting is where it goes. And so Derek is infecting everybody else with this rage virus. And it's actually really cool as he finds out that he's being blamed for this fuck up with Vandercorp that he did not do. That someone is trying to dump the blame on him so that they can keep their job. So he's running around trying to figure out what to do. And he basically assists the virus and being propagated around the entirety of the office. And it's a really amazing sequence. You just kind of show how the disease goes through uh, and spreads with human interaction. I really like the way that they did that. Like the elevator button that he touches after he rubs his face. um, The paperwork that he hands off to somebody else just talking to the other person in the room you can kind of see the virus they follow the virus going into her uh nasal passages and stuff like that i mean they follow it all the way through this entire sequence of him just getting to the elevator so you can see just how quickly it spreads and i really dug that oh
1: dude i i I hated the shit where the people are like rubbing their eyes and stuff i don't know why but that grosses me out really horribly and then they just get this like pink eye looking eye like those Those was the extent of the, the makeup effects budget in this movie is they bought a whole shitload of like single like uh, just make your eye kind of red contact dis- disposable contact lenses and it works really well because it's really like a, man those gl- close ups of them rubbing their fucking eyes like drives me nuts for some reason have you ever read fucking pink eye? it's awful
0: Yes, I have. It's been a very, very long time. But, yes, it is disgusting. It is awful. And they use that knee-jerk reaction to ocular discomfort very well in this film. (laughs) And I would say that they actually bought a shitload of blood spatter contacts, probably from the West Borland estate. (laughs) He's he's got them laying around. (laughs) Yeah, like he's just like, yeah, here, I'll donate like the 5,000 pairs of these. And, like, they just split up the pairs and gave them to people, you know? Like, I think that's how they did the effect. It was that and a bunch of fake blood.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. A lot of fake blood. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. So Derek gets an access code to go talk to Kara Powell, who is the person who apparently is dumping all the blame on him. And she is what he refers to as like an office warrior. She manipulates her way to the top and is using Derek as cover, and he even alludes to the fact that this is something that she has done before, that basically the only reason that she has a career at this point is because she has thrown other people under the bus or framed them for the shit that she actually did.
1: Okay, yeah, he refers to her as the siren to get the little bit of uh, the Odyssey kind of reference in there because she she has the 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 tongue that the boss listens to i I forget what the exact phrasing on that is
0: yeah she's sort of like the grima worm tongue (laughs) of of the office yeah that's how she does it and (laughs) she's very manipulative with the things that she says uh derek notices that kara is using his mug and has gotten the info that there was a case file 45a that His name is attached to, and Derek decides to fight it all the way to the top. It's obvious from this conversation that Kara is basically saying, you're taking the blame for this. You have no say in it. Just fucking do it or you're going to regret it because she's going to offer him a deal. Well, he doesn't want to do that. He decides to go and take it all the way to the top and fight it. So Kara attempts to power trip Derek as Derek fights back with extremely passive aggressive banter even in the elevator there's like this big thing that they do about how daddy you know you abandoned the baby and now the baby's dead he's like no mommy drowned the baby while daddy was doing actual work or something but whatever they go meet with the actual boss in the elevator and i've talked long enough that's our third
4: clip no what's his mood he's drawing oh shit John Towers, capital T in TSC. King of the castle, top of the food chain, and total fucking maniac. You know, your typical American success story. Did I mention that he also dabbles in the fine arts?
5: Tell me what you see here.
8: I see that those soldiers' lives are in danger, sir.
5: You think they'll make it?
8: No, sir. The fuse is too short. It's too late to run.
5: And what do you think they should be doing instead?
8: May I, sir?
5: So simple and yet so effective. Can you see it, Derek? Can you see the solution to our problem here? I think you mean her problem, because she was the one that... Give me the file. This is our bomb. The fuse is already burning. So should we run like cowards and die?
8: We are brave, sir.
5: I'm so glad you said that, because any second now, Vandercorp is gonna find out about this mess, and I'm gonna need some scouts. So. Who dropped the ball?
8: I hate pointing fingers, but may I suggest you check the annual
4: work distribution sheet? Someone cooked the fucking worksheet,
5: sir. Go on. Have
4: you noticed that whenever there's a problem like this, it's almost always the same soldier involved? Because down in the trenches, we have all noticed. And we wonder if discharging this problem soldier might be the solution to preventing this kind of mess from
5: ever happening again. And who would that be? May I? Thank you, Derek. You can leave. Let's discuss. Yes, sir. I- Leave. You got a sec?
0: Okay, so he was drawing a bunch of soldiers around a bomb, and then she amended the thing to basically say that they need someone to fall on the bomb and just basically save everyone else by killing themselves, which the boss already knows that this plan, I wouldn't even say that Kara came up with this. This may be the boss's plan all along where he's like, let's get this hot young shit out of here and we'll save your ass Kara because he likes her or whatever. I mean, this doesn't seem like the sort of, I mean, I'm sure Kara has done this sort of thing before, but the boss very clearly knows what's going on. He's in on this shit and he just wants Derek to basically die to save his fucking firm and his bottom line. Yeah, this
1: is, this is some gross, cutthroat type of shit going on in this this office setting. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely get the impression that they they've done this before. And like, if it, there's a line later on where he he, he asks her if like she she blew him to get her way kind of and she's like i don't even have to do that like she's got him so wrapped around her finger like it's not even like one of those kind of things i don't think
0: it actually seems to me that kara is just grossly negligent at what she does but She's gotten so good at pawning off all of her fuck ups on other people that she's able to make herself look like she's blameless in all of this to the point where she's using the general gross negligence. And they basically say that the at some point in the cl- in the clips or even in the movie, Derek describes the place as like a morally bankrupt corporation that has nothing to it, where it's just basically like the only way that you get ahead in this business that he's working at is literally by doing the most underhanded, awful shit that you can think of and if you're willing to sacrifice you know a little piece of your humanity that makes you go even further up so you just have to realize like if he was willing to allow a guy to get away with murder essentially when he thought he was guilty as fuck by coming up with that loophole for the disease that infected him and that got him to just the middle where he can't even go anywhere upstairs without an access code what kind of shit did kara have to do to get to where she is (laughs) she's
1: throwing a lot of motherfuckers (laughs) under the bus
0: Absolutely. So Derek leaves the office as he's told to do there at the end of the clip, and he heads to his friend's office, whom is in the middle of some horseshit power meditation. This is the thing that you were talking about earlier, where like... (laughs) He's got this uh like burning sage or some fucking shit, and he's listening to some meditative chants and trance music and i I saw this guy, and I'm automatically more pissed off at his his friend Owen just for existing than I ever am at anything Derek says or does in the film <laughs>
1: this is how this guy well, supposedly he kinda confers confirms otherwise later, but this is how he survives this super aggressive fucking hostile work environment is yeah by burning some nag champa in his office and listening to tibetan monks and yeah it's it's (laughs) not to skip too far ahead but like he later comes out it's like it's all bullshit all of it it doesn't make me calm i hate my life Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, that's when the virus removes the filters, but that's exactly what's going on here. And I almost always feel that when I see someone that is basically that deep into meditation and doing all this stuff, like in especially a corporate environment or a business environment, if they have all this stuff and they're starting to talk about feng shui and, you know, oh, you should totally meditate, you should do yoga and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, you're lying to yourself. You're trying to come to terms with who you are as a person because you don't like being you. <laughs>
1: I, I, I definitely suspect that when I when I meet these kind of people, and yeah, it, it's it, it almost feels like it's like a like a fan club that you blog to. Like you gotta do you gotta do the whole thing, and you just buy into that. Like I don't know, it's not even really like a lifestyle or anything. Like it's kind of like uh, I don't know, weird hippie granola shit.
0: It's a cultural appropriation of a bunch of different cultures that actually do have some shit figured out on how to be in life, including Buddhism, you yeah, know, and, and stuff like that. Like there's certain philosophies that I totally can get into that goes behind that. It's just that when you have your everyday average Joe or Karen or Chad, Who's, like, really into meditation to really help him get over the fact that he's a hedge fund motherfucker that ripped off billions of dollars. Yep. Not really buying into it, bro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So his friend Owen gets the rundown on how he is being framed by the siren, who he refers to Kara as. I did have that in my notes on this whole Vandercorp fuck up that she obviously did. And Owen basically tells him that he whatever he does, don't take it upstairs, take the deal from Kara and fall on the sword. But he already says that he took it upstairs. And I love the look on Owen's face where he's like, you're fucked. Like, you can just totally see it (laughs) in his eyes. He's like, it's been nice working with you, pal, but you're fucked. Um, Right as that happened, Kara barges in to announce Derek has been fired and that he needs to pass up his stuff derek proclaims he is taking this to the nine and we find out who the nine is in our fourth clip the nine
4: the company's board of directors
5: good
0: morning everybody
5: this is the vandercorp file
4: no one here goes up or down without their vote Rumor has it that they're actually cybernetic organisms, but that hasn't been officially confirmed yet. Now, there's a common misconception about the death gesture during gladiatorial combat. The actual phrase used in Roman text doesn't
5: translate as thumbs down, but rather thumbs turned. Personally, I think we should hang, draw, and quarter the little fucker, but uh, you know, That's just me. So, let's vote. That's
4: because the victors finished off their opponents with a sword thrust across the throat. So,
5: it's unanimous.
4: Call Lester. Enter Lester McGill, head of human resources. No, not her. That guy. He takes care of the firm's layoffs. He's as cold as his methods are efficient. A perfect fit here. Naturally, we call him the reaper. And he's the last person you want to see standing at your doorway. Mind if I come in, Derek? If I said no. Thank you. Do do you even know what happened? I don't care what happened. You must be good friends with Kara. then. Oh, I hope she dies promptly. Glad we're on the same page. Um, the Nine listened to you and I have proof. That's was here, not my mistake. And here. What the hell are you doing? My job. So you are on her
5: side. I'm on the right side, always am. That's why it's me firing you. <laughs> Fuck you. Sign these documents from upstairs so I can clear accounting to transfer your severance pay into your account. You know what this is? This is a statement saying that I take
4: full responsibility over the Vandercourt mess. I'll have to file that under N for not my
5: problem. I
4: could be disbarred. I could face legal action from the client.
5: I'm just the messenger, Derek. Yelling at me is like yelling at your Watch, because you're late. Why would I sign this crap? To get rich. Glad to see we're now on the same page. Glad to see I'm not. You want to do this the hard way? I want to do this the right way. I want to speak with him
4: and the Nine. Executive decisions are not subject to appeal. This one fucking better be, because I'm not leaving this building until I plead my case. Understood.
0: Wow, Lester the fucking Reaper. Holy shit. He's evil. Yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. Um... I remember him in uh, Walk the Line. He was uh, Sam, the record producer basically that uh, ran Sun Records. Um, (sighs) Sam Phillips, Jesus Christ. He played Sam Phillips whenever the the whole scene when uh, Joaquin's Johnny Cash comes in with his band and auditions to record for Sun. And then he ends up, like, you know, talking about how he's had a million bands come in here and say the same old thing about you know, how Jesus saved his soul. And he doesn't want to record any more songs like that. And that's what got him to play Folsom prison. And that's what got Johnny the career in the movie. Anyway, that's the whole thing. But this guy has a whole entire fucking career. And for the longest time, I thought that this actor, Dallas Roberts is the same guy who was in murder party. Um, that was like the, cause they look a lot alike to me, but like the I don't know, have you seen Murder Party in one of the fucking time.
1: I have seen a long like a couple of years ago. Which which guy yeah. is he in Murder Party?
0: Um, it's, that's Jeremy Sonier's first film, Murder Party, and right. he was, I, I was thinking that he was the guy that shows up that's, like, the, like, whatever his name is, but he's, like, the main guy that's supposed to be their money guy. They look so much alike to me, but I was trying to find a photo of him, and he's not on, like, IMDB to where I could compare it, so I, and I didn't even know if maybe he did the role on Credited or whatever, but I'm sure it's a different actor, but... He just looks so much the same to me that the first time that I watched this movie, Mayhem, I was like, holy shit, that's a dude from Murder Party. That's what he did. But no, this fucking guy that we're talking about, Dallas Roberts, he's had this wonderful, long, fucking amazing career, you know, and having him show up in Mayhem. When he's done all of these other roles and all these other movies and everything and be, you know, in instantly thought of to be somebody else that he's not by me is kind of an insult, I think. Right. <laughs> all right. So during the clip, we actually see all of the nine votes to fire Derek. That's that whole, like, thumbs across or, you know, thumbs... <laughs> whatever it's supposed to be, but it's basically like the cut the throat thing is what they do. And then lesser, the reaper speaks with Derek and offers him the settlement payout basically for taking the blame. So they're basically buying him out. The idea is they're going to make him rich by destroying his career, but they're going to give him a ridiculous sum of money to where most people would just take it and go retire. I mean, is that what you're thinking they're saying there? Cause he looks at the money and actually considers it for a second. I thought,
1: no, definitely. And like, that comes across and it's, it, it's it's another like just emotional thing where like like because you you can tell that he's super tempted when he says like we're gonna make you rich basically he looks at that like piece of paper or whatever and has to think about it for a minute and and decides to do the right thing i guess fuck i probably would have taken the money and just gone away and been quiet
0: i think that the virus was already starting to affect him and so the principle of it and the overreaction that he starts having about it, where it's not just a normal, you can't fucking fire me, look what I've done for this company. It's more one of those ways where it's like, I won't stand for this injustice outrage And I think this is when the virus starts to kick in for him is at that moment, because that number is tempting. And he actually looks like he's going to sign for the briefest moment. And then he does like a little eye twitch or something like that. The actor does a really good job with that. And then automatically just kind of like turns on a dime and then you see him become more like kind of enraged about the whole thing and the injustice is happening to him. And that's when he basically goes the route that he goes. But that's when a security guard comes in with a box and Derek rips up the paper and refuses to sign it. That was the end of the clip there. So yeah, a lot of shit going on already. Um, they cut from this to SWAT teams roll up and lock down that fucking building into a quarantine due to the outbreak of said virus. What was the number for that? Like X-9-7 or some shit? I can't remember. Uh, I, I have it in my notes. ID-7. ID-7? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You can correct me when I say Rage Virus if you want. <laughs> I just I, Rage Virus. That's all it is. It makes people fucking insane. So it's a Rage Virus as far as I'm concerned. It yep, works for me. Yeah, what is the red eye? We'll call it the red eye virus. Then and that that works too. uh So this outbreak occurs just as Derek is being walked out of the building. We need to get some info on this, and that info dump is our fifth clip. <laughs>
5: What the hell is going on? One of our
7: pathogen sniffers in the building's ventilation system picked up traces of the ID7 virus.
5: And who authorized you to install a sniffer in my building anyway?
7: Since the outbreak in Des Moines, detection devices are now legally required in public places. Des Moines? Fuck! According to our projections, those infected in the building will begin to display symptoms soon, if not already. Our experts have already released a neutralizer into your ventilation system. All traces of the virus should be eliminated in approximately eight hours. Until then, this building is officially under quarantine.
4: So what are we supposed to do for the next eight hours? Try to remain calm. So there I was, getting the shit kicked out of me on the lobby floor by this asshole. And then, something happened!
5: remain calm I want this fixed
0: <laughs> okay so as the virus is starting to outbreak and the building is being locked down, the guy that Derek was blackmailing jumps him while he's being let out with the box in his hand and he basically starts kicking the living fuck out of Derek he punches him, knocks him down, kicks him several times in the gut while he's down and that's when Derek's infection himself kicks into full gear and that's what we heard at the end of that clip where he shouts out, something happened so he basically gets up grabs what looks like half of a scissor or was that a letter opener it looked like half of a scissor like a broken scissor that fell out of his box i
1: couldn't tell that's kind of why or like there were like some kind of weird safety scissors or something but yeah i think it was like half a scissor
0: Yeah, it looked basically like half a scissor or some kind of weird ergonomic letter opener, which I could totally see Derek owning. Um, And he basically stabs the guy in the fucking foot with that, uses it while he's distracted there to be able to get up so he stops from kicking him. Derek stands up, punches him square in the fucking throat, right in the Adam's apple. You hear the gurgling noise, and it doesn't quite sound like the hyoid bone is broke, but he fucked up that dude's throat and he's gurgling his own blood that much is for sure
1: right i mean i'm not wrong in that right nope it's it's all like oh man the violence in this thing is crazy it's just like so fucking precise and gnarly
0: Yeah. And right after that punch to the throat, the guy's basically gargling his own blood there, but then he just adds a little insult to injury and he punches the guy in the solar plexus so he can't even do that. And the guy (laughs) falls to the ground. I'm pretty sure he murdered that dude. Like that's the guy's dead now, right?
1: Oh yeah. Either that or he's like, he's going to be eaten out of a tube for the rest of his life.
0: Right. Like, he's not going to be talking, and he's probably not going to be able to breathe very well on his own for a while, like, if he survives that. And just as that happens, his friend Owen taps him on the shoulder, and fucking Derek turns on him like a rage monster, but just in time, Derek recognizes that it's Owen and his friend, and Owen's like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, and he gets him to just kind of settle down for a second, which was actually, like, I, I have a hard time finding the particular actor who plays Derek all that threatening. Like, I just don't really see it. And I think they intentionally hired him for that particular reason like steven yun just doesn't he just he's got a pretty boy face and you see him as glenn basically like, <laughs> we'll always see him as glenn like this like sweet guy who just you know doesn't want to hurt anybody so when he does that turn and he goes hard violence and stabs the guy in the fucking foot punches him in the throat and basically destroys his hyoid bone and, you know, has him gurgling blood and then doesn't have to do it because the guy's defeated. He punches him in the gut just to make sure, like right in the solar plexus, too, like right below the rib cage is where he hits him. And it's really precise. And you even hear that kind of dull thud that's really sickening. The sound design for the punches is really beautiful in this. Yeah. And he turns on his friend, and for, like, the briefest moment, I'm like, oh, shit, you're going to kill your friend. And then I'm like, oh, oh, you don't. Like, every time, even though I've seen this, I automatically think he's going to do it.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad he didn't. It would have been a little bit mean-spirited. We, we want Owen, I think his name is, to stick around for a little bit in this. And, like, he he gets yeah, he—he he gets it just calm enough so he can kind of re-explain, like, what's going on. Like, is this just the virus that's making everybody crazy?
0: Yeah, I did like it, though, because like I said, I don't really like Owen at all. I really have an unjustifiable, uneven hatred for this guy. (laughs) So like I kind of wanted to see him at least get hit and then talk Glenn out of it. But I didn't want to see him beat up his own friend to the point where he kills his own friend just yet. Like that would have been a bridge too far, I think.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Alright, so Derek decides to use this opportunity to go see the nine because they're locked in there, they can't make him leave, and maybe he can plead his case. At this point, he's not even thinking about that whole loophole thing that he came up with. He just literally is trying to get his job back, and he's using this momentum of kicking the living shit out of this guy, which he's celebrating in front of Owen, making Owen very uncomfortable, <laughs> by the way. He's just like woo woo, screaming and throwing fists and like kicking in the air, and just like basically like the fuck yeah guy at the back of the hardcore show that we're talking about. Like, Like, that's what he's turned into at this point. And so his friend tells him that that's not a good idea, just ride it out, go hide in your office, and then, you know, maybe once you're free, you can see that you don't need to do this, because this is the part where he's talking about, you mentioned earlier, like, I hate my life, you know, he doesn't want to be a part of this, he doesn't want anything to do with this corporate world, but he's trapped because he's got a wife and kids, and, you know, this is this is all he's got, and this is all he can do is, as his career, and he hates it, he's miserable, he's hollow inside, and all that other stuff is just bullshit, he doesn't like any of that stuff, he's just basically trying to come up with other shit to atone for all the evil things he's done for this soulless corporation
1: yep that's pretty much it <laughs> well this leads to
0: our sixth clip
7: until the quarantine is over
0: we'll need your cooperation to
7: keep the situation under control we know better than anyone else that this virus turns people into maniacs or blathering idiots as you may know The virus triggers a breakdown of moral barriers, unleashing repressed emotions in the infected, including anger, depression, fear, (laughs) lust.
5: Like cocaine?
7: An infected individual would make a coke addict look like a model citizen by comparison. But we still feel normal. The virus can cause drastic mood swings with potentially violent and severe consequences. It would be best if stressful work-related situations were avoided.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna come to your house and I'm gonna fucking kill you! Bye, Mom.
7: Antidepressants, stimulants, even caffeine can accelerate the virus's effect. Make more
5: fucking coffee! What happens when 287 employees with average billing rates of $200 an hour stop working for eight hours? You don't know? I lose half a million dollars! Now, crack your whips! Everybody goes back to work! And if they don't like it, they are terminated immediately! And no severance packages. Put the fear of me in them. What now?
7: Derek Cho wants clearance to come up. Lafleur. He said he reconsidered, but he wants to have a word with you and the nine first. Your passcode is h star
1: one nine nine. Fuckhead. Fuck you! No, no, no. Up. 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 Let me the fuck.
0: Okay, so Derek is sent to the basement because the nine fear what it is he may actually. Do once he gets there and security drags him out of the elevator to kick the ever loving shit out of him for the attempt to even go upstairs security takes his phone and the boss calls him and tells him he knows that people can get away with murder under the influence of the virus.
1: So he is using this opportunity to preemptively deal with Derek. What a fucking dirty rotten trick, like sending him down. And then, like Derek could have maybe like they kind of make you think if he'd like played it a little bit cooler in the elevator where they can see him, he might have actually gotten up there. And then the well, yeah, they obviously give him the code to go downstairs to get the shit kicked out of him by uh what do they call this guy? The bull or something? The fucking
0: Yeah. Giant- I can't remember the nicknames. I didn't ri- write down the nicknames of everybody, but it's very clearly like video game boss nicknames?
1: <laughs> Very much.
0: Yeah, and I'm cool with that. I'm so fine with that. I mean, this movie is doing exactly what it is. It's painting in broad strokes so we can understand the story it's telling. I'm good with that.
1: Yep, it, um, it gets all that out of the way so we can get to the fucking ass beatings.
0: Yeah, so essentially the boss is demanding that they do the things to Derek that they're supposed to do. So he has him, like, kick the living shit out of him. He has him kicking him a bunch of times, and then he asks that the guy's crying. And then when the security guard's like, no, sir, he's like, well, why not yet? So he just sprays him with fucking mace in the ice. He's like, he is now, sir. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's good. But I, you know, you ever heard what a broken bone sounds like? I want to hear some bones snap. You know, a femur is the hardest bone to break, but I guess I'll settle for a finger or something like
1: that. Yeah, I'll settle and- for a pinky
0: Yeah, and so just as they're coming to break a bone, or they're getting ready to break a bone, that's when Owen storms in to try and uh, come and help him. He just basically jumps out of the elevator, and he's doing this giant flying fucking tackle right into one of the guards. He gets headbutted or just shoved into a board with a nail that's sticking out. It's kind of hard to see where the action is going, but I got to admit, I kind of gained a little bit of respect for Owen with that gigantic shoulder tackle that he did. It was like a (laughs) flying fucking old
1: school wrestling shoulder tackle He was a linebacker in high school probably
0: yeah but whatever it was man he took him the fuck down and it was awesome right before he gets shoved and it's that main bad boss guard the one that's supposed to be one of the boss fights in the video game levels later on that ends up causing owen's death and it's by accident the guy like headbutts him or something and basically sends him into a board sticking out of the wall with a nail out of it, which why do you have that in an area where people are supposed to be? Anyway,
1: it's a OSHA violation waiting to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, this soulless corporation clearly doesn't care about that kind of stuff. So <laughs> he's got the nail sticking in his brain, which pretty much means he's dying right there, but he's kind of confused to what's going on. Cause you know, traumatic brain injury. One of the guards takes out some brass knuckles, which is like his key weapon when he's ready to take someone down as Owen walks forward and falls dead. This, pretty much destroys all momentum for the ass kicking because they're all shocked about this death the boss then points out the neville reed precedent which we've been kind of talking about earlier neville reed's the guy that got away with murder because of the virus and that's precedent that everybody can now get away with murder because of the virus so he then has the guards thank derek for getting that precedent and that loophole and they're going to lay him out with a knuckle dusting. That's what I like to refer to getting punched with brass knuckles.
1: <laughs> the old knuckle dusters.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an old-timey term. So, you know, giving someone the old knuckle dusting. You know. yep. All right, so Derek comes to and finds that he is locked up with the lady he refused to help earlier. They spit in each other's faces for what feels like an eternity. That was fucking gross.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially with all the virus stuff going right. You're like, all right, well... Because you're sharing each other's colds now.
0: Yeah, and the whole spitting back and forth, I guess if you're into that sort of thing, like, more more power to you, you probably dig that. But, like, they were clearly doing it as a sign of very serious disrespect. And then he does it one more time, so she decides to pummel the living shit out of him this time. And then she finds out that he was fired today, so she kind of, like, lays off and and backs up for a second. They decide it's time to team up and fight their way to the top of the building in order to get revenge, as they can use this virus as an excuse. They keep driving that home, that precedent, and are not responsible for their actions. But Derek decides he's going to build a Frankenphone first, because I guess this is his plan on how to escape. Because that way they get security guards to come and stop them or whatever. I don't know exactly how that works, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. So that's my seventh clip. Well,
8: who? Cops can't enter the building. I'm not calling the cops.
7: Uh, sir, um, Derek Cho somehow managed to set up a call with Vandercourt's CEO, and they wanted you to join in. In
8: a minute. Sorry to keep
5: you waiting, Frank. I'm all ears.
9: Ah, glad you could join us, John. Well, I've been having a nice, long chat with one of your lawyers. You still there, Derek?
5: Yes,
4: uh, sir, I am still here
9: good John. Can you please remind me? Why do I
5: do business with TSC? Well, because there's a jungle out there Frank And uh, not only do you need a, a guide, but you also need a lion walking right by your side And we are your lion and your guide
9: are you yeah. well, we're just a touch concerned that you may have Ulterior motives
5: we would never turn against our clients Frank.
9: Well, that may be true But Derek has alerted me to a certain document that seems to suggest otherwise
4: it's a report that uh tsc did for vandercorp it analyzes the advisability of filing a multi-million dollar lawsuit against one of frank's ex-business associates
9: do you remember this report john no i must say it's well written i like how it weighs the slim possibility of a positive financial outcome against the enormous potential litigation costs Do you agree with this report, Derek? Uh,
4: no, sir, I do not. I believe you could have won the suit. Then
9: why did your advisors advise me against it?
4: Your advisors missed the deadline to file the motion.
9: So you believe that TSC dropped the ball on this
4: one? Uh, I believe they dropped the ball, sir, Uh, but then they also defecated on the ball. And then sodomized the ball, sir.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Oh, and John, I just happen to have your last invoice here with me.
5: Oh, I will. I want you to rip the fucking phone out of his hands, his hands off his fucking body, now
0: So this sends more security into the basement and after Derek, basically, because of what he just did here, and with that command, rip the phone out of his hands and his hands off of his body. I'm pretty sure that they're gonna have to do that. Um they're after Derek now with a righteous fervor, but they are instantly distracted by Melanie, who is just being fucking Melanie. Fake ordering a pizza on the phone, or knowing Melody, she probably is actually ordering a fucking pizza on the phone to them. But like, she's just like holding up the finger, and like they totally are like, "What the fuck is going on?" And they're so confused by that. Which Derek then uses that opportunity to jump one of the guards with a four by four, and he does the good old hacksaw Jim Duggan where he hits him so hard he knocks the board out of his own hand. <laughs> did you
1: notice that? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. I, thought that was, uh, I I don't know if that was improvised or what, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it made me laugh.
0: Yeah, it was like total Hacksaw Jim Duggan thing. I wonder if they did that on purpose or not. I, I wouldn't put it past them, knowing all the various pop culture references the film does make, that that might be one of them as well. Because there's definitely some wrestling moves put into this. Right. So maybe, who knows. Uh, then he clubs, the after he clubs that one guard down, and then he beats the other one's face in with his bare hands. And this is the point where Derek is really letting the virus take control. When he hits the guy, he stops for a moment, and you see him kind of realize, oh, shit, I'm taking it too far. And then, like, he starts flashing on all the people that have pissed him off today, and he just goes even further, and he beats that guy to death, right? I mean, like, that dude is dead by the time he's done punching him, right? He's not just
1: dead. He's a pile of hamburger.
0: (laughs) What's the line from Sin City? I always love to quote. He stops punching when he realizes he's just driving chunks of wet bone into the floor. Yep. (laughs) all right so melanie and derek tool up for their revenge quest literally they grab like every tool in the basement he even puts on like the good old universal like tool kit bag uh belt thing and he just starts loading up wrenches and screwdrivers and anything he can get his hands on i mean they even have a bag of stuff she grabs a nail gun they have like a little mini saw (laughs) Which I think she says something like, uh, just in case or or whatever, or extreme measures, I think is what the line she uses.
1: Yeah, yeah, because he yells out later when they use it.
0: Yeah, so they lay out what the boss fights are going to be. This is where it's literally like a video game where he's like, we got to get to this level and get the key card from the Reaper. And then from there, we can get to Kara, and then Kara will get us further up from there. And he picks the people that he picks because they've already fucked him over, and he wants to get revenge on them. And so why not go for their key cards? And that's where they need to go, so... Apparently, the Reaper, when we see him, when he's in a rage or can't control himself, all he wants to do is cut up bonsai trees.
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, man, the editing on that sequence was like the, like where, where the terror comes in, I think, because you get these real quick flashes of like him just like looking absolutely fucking psychotic, like chewing on the bonsai trees or just like cutting out him like a fucking madman. It's like, it's super disturbing because he's been such a calm, collected guy until this point. <laughs>
0: Right, and it's just really bizarre and strange, and I really like the way that it shows the scope of how the virus affects the id of the victim, where not necessarily everybody's going to react the exact same way that they, you think they will. It's just like basically like we were talking about, it removes those blocks or those filters that keep you from overreacting to things or to just jump and do whatever impulse you want to do. And apparently his lack of impulse control means he needs to mutilate fucking bonsai trees. Yeah,
1: that's what he does when he's having a bad day.
0: All right, so Derek and Melanie make it to his office, and he blocks the nail gun shot with his cane. That was pretty fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, that was like Kingsman type shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Melanie is tased by a security guard from behind like a fucking coward, and Reaper locks himself in the office also like a fucking coward Derek goes dodging around desks and tries to avoid the security guard that still has a good shot left in his taser Reaper comes out of his office and starts smashing Melanie's hand and kicking the living shit out of her he says something about gender equality and how he feels like there needs to be more gender equality in the workplace I think what he's getting at is he's lamenting that he doesn't get to beat on the women that he fires only the men (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. Derek takes out the guard that is coming after him as the Reaper continues to beat on Melanie. She pushes the gun to Derek, and he scares Reaper back into his office with a hail of nails. Pretty much Reaper's reflexes are the only thing that save him. Like, his ability to dodge and get away from trouble is the only thing keeping him going. Because he had, like, three nails right where his head would have been just as the door closes. It was pretty awesome. Yeah,
1: and he do, he does walk with a cane. Do they ever explain why he walks with a cane?
0: I'd imagine that he fired the right person at the wrong time and got his leg snapped.
1: That makes sense
0: <laughs> that's that's how I pictured it, and that's why he's so cold and calm and cruel now is because maybe he at one point in time he was a good person, and then that happened. <laughs> yeah,
1: no now it's more than just doing the job,
0: yeah. Well, Derek gets Melanie back to helping him by admitting he needs her help. Like, So he goes to pick her up, and she's like, fuck you, I don't need you. And he's like, well, I don't need you. And then finally he's like, fine, I do need you or whatever. So they still fucking hate each other, but their hatred for this company is keeping them going. And so when he finally says, yes, I need you because I can't do this, that's when she's like, well, fuck you then. And he says, fuck you back. And then they form some kind of a pact by the mutual fuck-offs, and then they break into Reaper's office. (laughs) And the dialogue that they have with Reaper, I'm sorry, I know I'm doing a lot of these tonight, but goddamn, that's our eighth clip.
5: What do you want? Key card. I'm not the only one with a level two key card.
0: You are the
4: one that fired me, asshole!
5: Wrong. The firm fired you. Don't nail gun the messenger.
4: Oh, oh my God, you bring up a very good point. I'm so sorry, Lester, we're good. We're we're, we're totally good, man. Um, I will take it up with the firm, but I would love to know where I could find the firm, because I would love to
5: kick the firm's ass. You can't kick a firm's ass. That's the point. Oh, well then that brings us back to you. I was just doing my job.
4: No one raindrop thinks it caused the flood. I get what that means.
5: You know what will happen to me if I give
0: you this key card?
4: I'm gonna have to file that under N for not my fucking
0: problem i like how through violence degradation filth and just plain pure id derek is learning how to be a better person at the same time yep it's it's a really kind of dangerous message joe lynch is putting out there but i'm i'm digging it because i kind of agree with what he's doing here
1: well (laughs) and he does it in such a comic booky video game way like it's hard to take any of this seriously i mean this is like like 18-year-old reading a comic book kind of like socio-political kind of message but you know, it's not even an insult at all like is this this isn't like a dumb action movie like it it, it legitimately has a, a th- stuff to say it's just like it kind of beats you over the fucking head with it a little bit
0: well that's uh, i can't remember the director's name but he was complimented on the subtlety of his films and how subtle his films are and that you know, nowadays or whatever, films aren't as nearly as subtle as what his were. And he goes, "Oh yeah, subtlety's great as long as you hit them over the head with it." Right. <laughs> Alright, so basically Reaper goes to hand over his card after that whole diatribe in the last clip, and when Derek reaches for the card, Reaper stabs him in the fucking hand with scissors. There's a lot of scissors being impaling body parts
1: in this film. <laughs> this is an office type weapon, like you think about the shit you'd find in the in the office. If you're lucky, you can find one of those things from the faculty, the paper cutter, because that's just like a big ass machete. But yeah, other than that, you're gonna have like a lot of staplers and like
0: uh, a pair of scissors. A pair yeah, your best scissors. bet your your best bet is a couple of swing lines like duct taped together to make numchucks or something. I don't know.
1: Ooh, maybe maybe you got a T square in your cubicle if you do like some like drafting or architecture type shit. You put some of them fucking put put some scissors on the end of that thing, throw it like a battle axe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, after the scissors impale Derek's hand to the desk, he's pretty much stuck, and then Reaper automatically shows his very misogynistic ways. By going right after Melanie and beats on her while she's trying to get to the nail gun, he's not doing it to subdue her so he can go back to beating on Derek. Derek is just pinned to be out of the way because he wants to hurt Melanie. That's what he's getting off on, or at least that's how I interpreted it.
1: Yeah, I, I just I feel bad anytime she gets beat on in this movie because I just like her so much. Like, can, can we just talk about Smaro weaving for a second? Like, how equally like adorable she is, and yet. And you guys are going to find this out like sometime next year. She's in a little movie called Guns Akimbo and. Watching her in that movie basically made me want her. I want them to just completely scrap the Terminator franchise and start it over from the first movie in a remake with Samara weaving as the fucking Terminator. Because that's pretty much what she does in Guns Akimbo is walk around in a leather jacket with fucking machine guns and look badass. And I, I want more of that. But uh, in this movie, we get her a little bit more lovable, kind of, I think. So I always feel sad, like, when she gets tased and stuff. I'm like, oh, don't don't do
0: that to her. She's a nice girl. <laughs> Well, I also was kind of flashing to, I obviously had seen this one first, but uh, Ready or Not, I went and saw in the theaters with my wife and all the stuff that happens to her and that, um, those characters are relatively similar where they're very strong but very vulnerable women who you know leave themselves open, but at the same time, whenever it's time to deal, they deal. And so seeing her get misused and abused in this film reminded me of watching Ready or Not and made me want to actually go out and watch Ready or Not again as well like when i was done with this but i don't think it's available yet for me
1: <laughs> No, I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet i also remember she was on the first season of ash versus evil dead which i think like ramps up her cuteness but and then just like throws like a thousand gallons of fucking fake blood at her and beats the shit out of her for the last couple i think she's in the last couple episodes of season one where the the spoiler alert they're at the cabin uh yeah
0: yeah they go back to the cabin for whatever reason and she's like a bunch of australian hikers are in those woods for some reason
1: yeah yeah she's she's the one that um somebody has a crush on
0: uh, uh, she she is single and she's traveling with her sister who is a couple with another person who's like a a gentleman and she starts crushing on pablo because he's uh, the most most available male currently around and that makes kelly kind of jealous even though she's not interested in pablo jesus why do i
1: remember all that and care <laughs> <laughs> That was only a couple years ago yeah
0: well, and I'm getting ready to do Ash versus Evil Dead season three whenever Matt's triumphant return happens. So I've got Evil Dead, Ash versus Evil Dead on the brain. Yeah. All right, so as this fight is happening and Melanie is being grossly abused by the Reaper, and by grossly I mean disgusting, and by disgusting I mean he seems like he's into it sexually, Derek tells Melanie to use the saw for extreme measures. That line comes back, which she does and ends up gutting the fuck out of the Reaper. So whenever she completely, like, halves the man up the front, like in the rib cage, does that kind of atone for the stuff that you had to watch happen to her or not?
1: Uh, yeah, no, it definitely does. I, I'm just, like, I want more. Give me more. I want to see her doing bad things to fucking terrible, especially men.
0: <laughs>
1: now there are people
0: in the office watching this fight as it's happening and they're taking bets on it. Would you be one of the people there watching and betting, or would you try and help her? Because everybody should hate Reaper, right? Why aren't they trying to kill him?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, especially if all of them ganged up, they could fucking tear that dude to pieces. It's like the zombie horde. Like, come on.
0: Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand why it happened that way, but it did, and it just made me kind of, like, wonder what's going on. But then again, it, that's how the virus affects people, so maybe they get off on just watching. Maybe they're, like, UFC fanatics or something. Who knows?
1: Eh, it's very it's very cartoony. It, again, like, it instills the you're not supposed to take this, like, deadly serious, I think. He throws a little bit of Looney Tunes in there. Yeah. Melanie
0: talks more shit to Derek and pulls the scissors out of his hand, feigning a count of three, then just pulls it. That was fucking awesome. Then she shoots a guy square in the chest with a nail gun just for being in her way. And then tells everyone else to get out of her way in a very kind of uh, gender specific term for (laughs) them. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like, you know, she's saying it, so it's totally cool, I guess. I don't know. But it was fucking funny. I'm just not repeating it because I try not to refer to people that way if I can. I'm trying to be a better person. God damn it. Just go with me on this, folks. Huh? <laughs> Derek prints out a case file and streams a live video with more details about the Neville Reed and I was going to do this as a clip but I've already gone too heavy on it we already know the details but it's also in the trailer where he's talking about what basically happened with Neville Reed and I believe that was his argument that he wrote that was used to be the loophole that got Neville Reed off and so he's basically using this as a live video back and he's trying to intimidate the nine and the main boss man just basically calling out the next boss fight that he's coming for while he's doing is. So he's using it as an intimidation tactic, which was really kind of cool. And the boss man is like, okay, Kara, you got to deal with uh, Derek and Melanie. Don't let them get up any further. The boss tries to make a deal with Kara on protecting the group above her by getting rid of her key card, but she said it's her only leverage and she won't do it. And then it's not until she is offered the full partnership that she calls it a deal. She won't destroy the card herself, though. She just goes and hands it to her assistant to hide it and demands more coffee be made. Um, maybe don't give the thing that could save your life to the person you've been treating like shit forever in a situation where viruses rule everybody's brain i'm just saying yep that's a mad comeuppance we get a mini montage of violence after this where it's just the whole office going fucking batshit crazy. And I think if they had more budget, it would have gone even more overboard and crazy. But I think it's just enough. I love the little mini montage. Derek and Melanie kill time waiting on Kara. They're kind of like hanging out at the elevator that she would be using to try and go hide. And he asks her for her list of top three bands. It's all fucking metal and it's all fucking gold as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> making me like Melanie that much more. And then he starts debating the merits of Dave Matthews with her. And everything that she says about Dave that's negative is literally things that I have harped on Dave about to my wife. And she's just like, no, you got to see him live. Like, this conversation is real. I feel like either joe lynch or whoever wrote this has had that argument with somebody about dave matthews and they had to include it into
1: this film yeah it it felt like a very joe lynch kind of scene like this could have ended up in like holston or something
0: The boss wants to have SWAT take out Derek. He's even trying to make a deal with the CDC. While doing copious amounts of cocaine, they will not do it. And they also are like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like nothing. It's a sinus congestion or something. And he's just clearly doing mounds of coke that would make Scarface (laughs) jealous, right?
1: You know, he's the head boss. That's like his power up like in a video game. That's like where the boss is like charging up to get like super. That's where you get super shredder is when he does a mountain of fucking cocaine.
0: Yeah, that's basically it. That's what I was picturing at it, too. You got it. Perfect. <laughs> he then offers a ridiculous sum of money to have the accounting firm kill Derek, which then gets countered by one of the nine who says, well, you are talking about murder, so instead of 150000 we better make it 450000 Like, <laughs> almost half a million dollars for Derek's head. I like Derek, uh, Mark, but I, I would consider it.
1: Uh, half mil, and you don't go to jail.
0: Yeah. I mean, come on, right? <laughs>
1: I love how, like, nonchalant the, the the other person is about that, too. Like, again, maybe they've done this before.
0: Oh, they've definitely done it before, where she's like, she knows the number in her head where she's like, no, if you want to get this done, 150,000 is a little lowball for murder. <laughs> it's like a little scary that she knows that number, too. Uh, yep. All right, so with no time left in this scenario, Derek and Melanie make their move to go after Kara, even though they are now the targets of a contract. Well, Derek is a card target from the contract from the big boss man. This leads to our pent ultimate clip.
5: Hello, Derek. My name is Mark. I'm a psychologist working with the
4: CDC. Can you hear me?
8: Yes, he can hear you, Mark.
4: I was just told that you were under a
7: bit
3: of stress right now, so I wanted to check in on you. Can we talk? Can you tell me how you feel?
4: Uh, how do I feel um, I feel like taking my clothes off I feel like causing extraordinary amounts of property damage I feel like I want to scream want to fuck, I feel like twisting limbs and breaking bones I feel great Mark that's the virus talking
8: I agree Mark Derek isn't thinking clearly right now he's so consumed by his id that he hasn't noticed that we're just here to help him
7: you should listen to
9: her
4: Derek why don't you sit down take a breath and talk it out talk
8: it out sure i'll talk it out
4: yeah let's just have a conversation track three
8: better not be fucking dave matthews band
4: okay those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now derek please listen to me but if you choose to stay which it seems like you guys are choosing derek please you understand and agree to the following terms and conditions derek one, Derek, this is a virus you topic. hereby waive your right Derek, to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two, per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated. Whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified.
0: That's the total fuck you moment right there in that
1: film. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in that thing. Like, the, uh, the psychologist makes me laugh so much with this. And how do you feel, like, new age psychology bullshit? Like, uh, like this movie is obviously like a big middle finger to you, basically.
0: Yeah, I love... The way that this movie takes pot shots at corporate culture, the self-care kind of type of psychology that isn't really helpful like the way that that doctor is talking you can tell he's not one of the psychologists that are actually like looking to help he's just basically trying to placate and let someone vent so they feel better and trick them into thinking they've been helped i've seen plenty of psychologists that have done that that's why i'm kind of getting at that (laughs) it's a thing Uh, yeah it totally is a thing that psychologists do where they just let you vent and then when you feel better afterwards they're like see didn't i do my job and like no fucker i can do that into a podcast and thousands of people will make me feel better yep (laughs) Oops, oversharing. Sorry, maybe I'm infected with the virus here, Mark. (laughs) He's got the pink eye. Red red eye eye violence. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So with this, at the end of that, fuck yeah moment of the clip, a massive brawl breaks out, and I can't describe everything that happens. You gotta just fucking watch it. It's amazing. Derek and Melanie have to beat down about half a dozen accountants, and this is violent as fuck. There's tons of blood. There's so much smashing, squ- squishy noises, all set to track three on Derek's iPod. I didn't recognize the fucking song, but I didn't think that it worked. I thought at some point, Melanie should have like grabbed the iPod or whatever the music was and threw it off of there and put hers on, and they should have kicked in with like a fucking metal song. <laughs> I thought that would have been cool.
1: I forget what was it was it a Dave Matthews Band song? No, uh, just- oh no, it was a uh, it was Motherfucker by Faith No More
0: motherfucker wasn't the song i would have picked you know I think,
1: I think joe lynch directed one of their music videos he's got like kind of a, a working relationship with those dudes and is like a giant faith no more fan I, I think he's talked about them before
0: i dig faith no more as well and i'm feel bad that i haven't recognized motherfucker and i'm insulting everyone so i may cut a lot of that out
1: <laughs> it's it's kind of drowned out by the sounds of like fucking meat packing basically and people's fucking wailing and torment the, the battle of the fucking cubicles it's like such an insane amount of fucking carnage in such a tight little scene. Like the the editing here is great. Like you get like so much so much mayhem, if you will, in such a short scene that like it's it's kind of a thing to behold.
0: Well, all the stuff that he says that they're going to have happen to them in his speech is what is in that edit. Yep. You do see it all. And at one point in time, I may be wrong about this, but it looked to me like Derek hit someone with the fire extinguisher he was wielding for a while. So fucking hard, he broke the fire extinguisher on the person. And that's how the fog filled the room. Is that right? Because the fucking thing exploded, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, he either breaks it or he sets it off or something along those lines. But yeah, yeah. We, we get some of, the, some of that awful, sharp, harsh Calvin Klein ad lighting that's coming through, and it just adds to the gnarly brutality of what we're seeing.
0: Yeah, and so the room is filled with the fog from this extinguished fire explode or fire extinguisher, like it's just everywhere. This fog. And then it's cleared out, and that's when you see Derek busts in on Kara, who tries to negotiate her way out of being killed or hurt, which escalates when she breaks his cup. He goes at her. He's going to fuck her up, but then she uses the key card once again to keep him from harming her, and she demands that her assistant bring it to him because she caves once she gets exactly what it is that she wants in the deal. Her assistant brings it to her, but it is melted. The card is all fucking ruined until Derek looks at it, Or Actually, it makes the same normal sound, but then Derek looks down and sees that it's destroyed, and then she doesn't realize that it's destroyed until Derek points that out. That's when the assistant says that she microwaved the fucking card because the folks upstairs offered her a promotion to do it because they didn't trust her, nor should they. Her assistant then mutilates the ever-loving shit out of Kara as Derek and Melanie watch with glee. (laughs) Uh, you don't get to see it but you hear it but it makes me think that they shot it because you see the after effects of it basically the assistant like stabs her throws her to the ground and pushes her face down on the treadmill that she likes to run on and basically rips her fucking face off with the force of the treadmill, right? That, that's what
1: happens. I guess, like you said, a lot of this is off camera and the, the, the shot of her like afterwards is pretty brief, so I didn't, I didn't realize, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's what happens. And yeah, I kind of get the feeling maybe they shot this, but cut it for... Because I, I can't remember if this is R-rated or if like the version on Shutter is like unrated or if they even tried to get this into theaters. I kind of don't think they did, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened there. It, it seems it seems weird. I kind of would have liked to have seen seen that shot, but maybe maybe they didn't shoot it, and there, there's a reason they did it that way because it was cheaper.
0: Well. Whatever happened, Kara is face down on her treadmill, face first on the tread, and her head is moving, but there's just chunks where her face used to be, and you basically see that after effect of that, and that's why I kind of pieced it together, that's probably what her assistant did. Regardless, Kara's fucking dead as dead can be. Yeah, real (laughs) dead. Yeah. Derek shows the boss the mutilated body of Kara via a video chat and tells him that Meg is actually crazy as fuck. So he made a bad move in promoting her. love that. They cut from this to Derek and Melanie have a heart to heart where he looks at her mortgage paperwork to tell her it is part of a bad batch of mortgages which will give her some leverage all she has to do is ask the bank for the paperwork. They will probably have a time a hard time producing the original paperwork and that will basically buy her some time and or make it to where she can leverage her way out of it. But all she really needs is a signature from one of the assholes upstairs, and that could void it out completely as well. Derek then receives a video chat from his boss, who has his friend Owen's body delivered to his office, which he lays out a tarp and proceeds to piss on on the video in front of Derek. Derek loses it because his friend has kids, and that's when he basically says that this virus is fucked up, he can't modulate at all, and he's just basically losing his emotions right there, and obviously, you know, Owen's his friend, and Owen has kids, and Owen didn't deserve any of that. It's all Derek's fault that that all happened, so of course he's gonna have that response. Melanie tries to come him a little bit, but then that kicks off some fucking hormones going nuts, and the virus decides it's time to throw down for some violent fucking in the middle of the chaos. Now, I say it's violent fucking, but it really isn't that violent a fucking. They just cut it in such a way; uh, it looks like passionate, deep lovemaking. But you know, maybe a little more aggressive than what some folks like.
1: I don't know. It's intense.
0: Yeah. Either way, it looks like good old Glenn from The Walking Dead has traded up. If you know what
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. He wasn't good too bad before, though.
0: No, not at all. I'm not saying that he was. I'm just saying that uh, Melanie, being a metalhead and also quite an aggressive lady, he's traded up (laughs) in performance wise is what I'm getting at. You're done good, Glenn. Yeah, that angry fucking really worked for me is all I'm saying. All right, they cut from this to Dave Matthews' band playing as they both just had some amazing sex. They both talk about how they kind of like the virus for what they just went through here with at least the sex part. And they're going to try and figure out what it is that they're going to do next. They head to the main IT guy. And by main, I mean the only one because this cheap solos corporation has figured out how to make one man do the work of an entire team with no budget. And they force him to attack the computer of one of the higher-ups. Now, I believe that they choose the one that actually fucked up Melanie's mortgage. That's why they picked her, right? I think so. I mean, that's pretty much what this film is setting up, so I'm pretty sure, but I'm not 100%, so if I'm wrong, somebody correct me on that in the, the group or something. And he has the IT guy run a virus on the machine, so he tricks her into installing the virus on her computer to hack her machine. They dig into her computer and basically back it up, then completely destroy everything. They're pulling kind of a ransomware. Nowadays, they would just probably encrypt all the stuff with a key that only they have, and that's all they would need to do. I mean, you don't have to delete everything to destroy the computer now you just you know encrypt everything with a key that only you have not that I've ever or would ever do such a thing
1: <laughs> right uh, they, they also said that she, they, she had like incriminating things on her hard drive too which is kind of more what I got out of it is that they knew there would be things on there that they could blackmail her for like her apparent uh, like foot fetish porn I think is what they brought up
0: Yeah, they talk about the porn, but they also have a bunch of other things. So it's probably all the leverage that she has on everyone else in the Nine to keep her in her place. Right. And keep her, you know, in her level of comfort. But also maybe some of the things that she has on some of the clients to keep the clients billings coming in and stuff like that. So it's like her entire life is in that computer and all the stuff that she has for leverage, you know, like you were talking about. And she didn't back up the system herself because she's, you know, a corporate greaseball that doesn't know how to do that kind of thing. That's why I'm saying all they needed to do was encrypt it all.
1: Yeah, she would have been (laughs) able to figure that out. Her password is probably one, 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 one.
0: Well, no, what I'm saying is if the IT guy encrypted it all, then he could have made it look like she'll never be able to get in there. But I think they just did that for effect so people know that they fucked up her computer. Oh, not, everybody, yeah. not everybody gets the whole computer thing that I'm talking about, so I'll just fucking shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> they used the backup of her system as leverage to get her to come down with a backup key card to let them upstairs. She chooses the meeting spot and has a gun set there ahead of time because she thinks she's so goddamn clever. They get ready to meet with her and they show up to the room first. And as she tries to reach for the gun that was planted, Derek already got it. He even says something about the pay in this building is directly inverse to the intelligence of the people that are getting paid (laughs) or something like that. Yeah. Where he's like, so if you're going to try and fuck with someone, make sure that they make more than you or something. I can't remember what it was, but he basically says, you're too dumb to beat me is basically what he was saying. Yep. Uh, They get the key card that they were looking for and try to have her sign the mortgage to void it. She refuses, basically just stating that all she'll do is just claim temporary insanity or whatever. So Melanie smashes that backup drive and asks for the time alone with the woman to go after her for ruining her life. As Derek goes to leave, he is jumped by the security guard who caused Owen's death and a serious knockdown drag out fight ensues as mud holes are stomped into people and they are then walked dry. Melanie is stopped short of killing the woman because the key card is a dummy card. The guard was going to mace out Derek's eyes during that fight, but Derek Catches nearly all, if not all, of the mace in his mouth, and then spits it into the eyes of the guard and stabs him in the head with a screwdriver. That was hardcore. That made me queasy.
1: (laughs) That was so insane. I've never seen that done in a movie. You don't see mace used or like pepper spray or whatever used in movies like as a threatening weapon too terribly often. I think more often than not, you see, he's just like a scene of comedy, like somebody getting maced when it's an unexpected thing. And this was it was unexpected, but also the 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 line about burning your eyes out, like, and he's holding a can of that shit. That's like for anybody that's ever been pepper sprayed or mace. That's a real visceral kind of fucking like any kind of eye stuff is already like disturbing enough. But yeah, just imagining like somebody just going to fucking town with that stuff is it oh, makes my skin crawl.
0: All you have to think of is how bad it fucking sucks when you wipe your hand your your eye after cutting up an onion and get some onion juice in there, and then extrapolate that out for a Chemical reaction or something that has caps in or like super hot, and how uncomfortable that would be. And now I've only ever seen Mace use as a weapon like that in one other film that I can think of. And that's when they were torturing Mickey and Mallory in Natural Born Killers when they're beating them up outside of that pharmacy. Yeah. Cops arrest them. Yep. Um, I have never in my entire life seen anyone take a mouthful of mace until the person stops (laughs) spraying it to spit it back out into their own eyes to win a fight. That is one of the most ingenious things I've ever seen written in a script. I don't know if that would work or if that would just kill you even worse by having it taken all into your mouth and possibly swallowing it. All I know is it looked awesome on film, and it was a real fucking fuck-yeah hero moment for me. (laughs) Definitely. The lady won't give up the code and wants to get at Melanie for destroying her life's work because the virus is working hardcore on her. They threaten to kill the woman with the countdown, but then Derek turns on Melanie in order to get at the boss man, and she curses him out as he ties her up for the woman who is laying out all of the tools to torture her. Derek gives Melanie a kiss, which she is very reluctant to do at first but then accepts it and the kiss goodbye. She then has a small grin on her face after he does that kiss. He then gets in the elevator as the door closes. He drops a bunch of nuts and bolts, revealing he actually set up the woman by undoing the bolts on the chair Melanie is tied to. The woman turns to see Melanie charging at her with a hammer, and she is fucking dead. (laughs) And again, we, we don't, don't get we're, to see that, but nope. we know from the sounds, she fucks her up bad. <laughs> yeah, And like sometimes the sound design is all you need. I was watching this with headphones on, and there was a couple moments where the sound design made me wince with a couple of strikes where I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, they so did crunchy. a really good job with it. Yeah, it's very crunchy, very like squishy. Just all of the nasty sounds like you've ever heard someone sustain a really bad injury from are right there for you. Nope. Derek kicks the living shit out of himself on the way upstairs. It kind of reminded me of like an Andrew W.K. G. G. Allen moment there. <laughs> he's just punching himself just to get himself psyched up. Uh, or for those of you that are into the 31 Doomhead as he's getting ready and getting psyched up and punching himself in the mouth or whatever.
1: Or Edward Norton in Fight Club.
0: Sure, that too. Just some dude that's like, I want to get hit and I want to get hit now. Clip. <laughs> 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 so he reaches the top the people there automatically greet him with champagne and a deal for a partnership just to do whatever by way of truce to try and keep from getting everybody killed because they know he can get away with it they know he's going to do it and oh, big fucking shock everybody in the fucking top is a bunch of goddamn cowards who can't even defend themselves so they just throw money at the problem big shock there for corporate america you yep. Part of the truce is this list of perks that goes so long and so much stuff that it kind of morphs from being completely disgusting and outrageous to just ridiculous, the amount of shit that he's being offered. He's basically being given perks that most people will never receive in their entire life if they were to save up for just one of them.
1: Yeah. (coughs) Cough.
0: Health insurance. (coughs) Cough. (laughs) Right. Right. It's ridiculous what he's being offered. He's basically being literally offered a Faustian deal here. I mean, it's a literal Faustian deal. He signs his name on the dotted line. He gives his soul away to them, and then he's one of them. Everything that he ever thought he wanted, everything he could ever want to be is in this deal and he turns it down because the virus has made him see that's not really what he wants out of life. And it is time for him and the boss man to throw down. The boss powers up with a huge pile of coke, the likes of which would make fucking Scarface wince. I love how he still has it off of his nose and it's just like still this huge fucking pile. Like he literally just buries his face in it. That's always my my
1: favorite part in a movie where they go past just snorting cocaine and they just start throwing mountains of it like at themselves other people and shit that's it's when it's like all right this movie's taking off the fucking reins
0: i do like that he actually uses the cocaine as a weapon to blind Derek. that's such a video game like an 80s video game bad guy thing to do
1: isn't it or like or an like- old western where they throw sand except for obviously there's no sand up in the uh- <laughs> Right. in the old corporate office
0: right but i mean since he's using coke he's using a drug and then like it's it fucks up Derek, and it kind of amps him up a little bit more i think once the coke gets out of Derek's eyes then he can see but then he absorbs it into his bloodstream and that amps Derek up so like the boss also kind of leveled Derek up for a second all
1: right this is seen like that in mandy kind of too i think where nicholas cage gets the get some drugs thrown in his face uh, works against the whoever threw it
0: yeah exactly all right so Derek uses the brass knuckles he took off of the other boss beatdown so he gets the weapon to power up total video game moment here and he beats the fuck out of the boss and drags him to the huge open stairwell he asks for a vote from the nine they all say to kill him with that slash across the throat vote that we saw earlier so Derek pauses long enough for the boss to talk some shit on him and Derek punches him over the goddamn railing as the guy is falling Derek goes in and basically sums up everything that we've seen in the film in our final clip
4: And so, the king falls. With the quarantine about to lift, I finally got to plead my case to the nine. Excuse me, eight and have my own day in court. Surprisingly, given the fact that I just threw their former CEO off a balcony, they seemed pretty willing to listen. In a calm and collected manner, I explained to them my situation, my dedication to the firm, the abuse of company resources by those above my pay grade, yada, yada, I don't need to bore you with the long form version. With a sound defense and in light of the day's events, I pled that I think I deserve my job back. But as they voted, it dawned on me, something my sister had been trying to tell me for years, Well, my new friend reminded me today. I didn't have a job. The job job had me. I was just another fucking slave to the grind. Look, We paint our paths with the best of intentions, but at the end of the day, sometimes it takes a brushstroke of circumstance or a deadly virus to set us on the right path again. Oh, and the incident at TSC, as they're calling it, ended up being a watershed case to finally accelerate a vaccine to prevent the symptoms of the ID7 virus, pending FDA approval, of course. You're welcome. And for the firm itself, well, they did what any corporate asshole in a corner would do. They offered me Towers job. Finally, a seat at the big kid's table. So, I took the gig just long enough to make an executive decision and do some good in the world. I quit. Now, I know what you're thinking. We wrapped this story up in a nice little bow, and we pretty much just killed a bunch of people. I live with that. But they do say everything happens for a reason. I'm starting to believe it. Here's one more pro tip. Paint your own path to success in work, love, and life. Before it's too fucking late.
0: So Derek takes the job long enough to void out Melanie's mortgage. And we see them both taking painting classes or they're working in an artist commune or something like that. Who fucking knows? They're happy now. And as he said, the story's all wrapped up in a nice little bow for us. Roll credits. Roll credits. all right so it's time to gush a little bit more about this uh i really fucking enjoyed this movie i gave you like a list of three things i think i on that were on shutter because i knew you had shutter and i'm like what what do you want to pick and then you came back with mayhem and i'm like fuckity fuck yes let's do
1: it yeah i'm a little late to the game on this this came out a little while ago and i think had a pretty successful festival run and i'm pretty sure shutter picked it up like right out of the gate uh i don't know who put out the blu-ray you've got is that, is that like kino lorber or is it
0: uh it's like rje films or whatever oh, okay they, they, yeah that did that um they do a lot of independent releases so i think it's rje films there's a lot of fucking rje films trailers on it so it must be
1: yeah they, they've been putting out a ton of stuff here lately especially stuff that comes off of like the, the festival circuit that's like um yeah i don't know joe lynch honestly like can't really go wrong at this point i don't know what took me so long to get to this one but like i knew it was going to be good I, I still have to watch his other movie Everly that came out a little while ago Selma Hayek the other uh an- an- another lady that I admire very much uh, pops up in these movies from time to time uh but uh yeah I, I man was a fucking lot of fun man this is this is a super easy watch I watched this yesterday morning like at like 8:30 on a Sunday and it was just like I I feel like I could put this movie in at any point it's not it's not super heavy it's like Super satisfying. I don't know. You can't really go wrong with this movie, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it as well. Um, this came out at the same time as like Belco Experiment, which was a bigger budgeted movie with a very similar plot line. And I think that Mayhem kind of got buried under the weight of that because that had James Gunn attached to it as like a producer or some shit, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not saying that Belko Experiment is not a good film. I'm not saying that I don't also own that. And I'm not saying that I didn't watch them back to back because I wanted to watch Office people murder each other for no fucking reason (laughs) other than just to murder each other, you know? Uh, But... I got to say, I enjoy Mayhem more if you're going to compare the two. I know they're contemporaries. You kind of have to acknowledge the fact that they came out at the same time with a very similar plot line. What works for me in Mayhem, and people may call it ham-fisted, or we called it broad paintbrush strokes with that, just to kind of alliterate to what was going on with uh I want to call him Glenn. Oh, Jesus. Derek, Uh, being a painter as well, and that's where he finds his joy in painting more than being a corporate schlub. I really like the way the film actually has a start-to-finish sort of message about And it gets driven home right at the very end of the clip where he's like, you do what makes you happy and you find your path in life that makes you happy and don't lie to yourself about what that's going to be because he found out way too late and really the hard way that being a corporate shill isn't what would make him happy and the amount of perks and money that he had to get that didn't do anything for him anyway. And when he would get to the top and he got everything that he thought he wanted, it's only with the help of this thing that strips away the things that we use to lie to ourselves and keep our our wants and our needs at bay, essentially, that he realized this is not who he wants to be. This is who he's lying to himself thinking that he wants to be. He wants everybody to perceive him as this big, successful, professional lawyer and like corporate guy. He doesn't want to be that. And I really like that message to where If you strip away perception of what you want everyone else to think of you and how you want to be thought of by other people and you just live for yourself, you start to behave like the people who had this virus. Not necessarily completely out of control where you're just fucking and murdering everything in sight, although some of us might. Um, (laughs) I really dug what they did with it.
1: Yeah, I I hate to be basic (laughs) about it, (laughs) but uh, it's... It's it's basically Office Space with a whole shit ton of violence, which and that's that's a that's a huge compliment because Office Space is a fucking classic, and it always will be as long as there are shitty jobs to be had. It'll be a classic movie because it just appeals to that sense that almost I think every but ninety percent of people experience that you just fucking hate your job basically, and the may- mayhem does you the extra favor, and you get like a lot more catharsis than uh, him going and working in a construction yard and dating Jennifer Aniston or whatever.
0: (laughs) After Milton burns the place down. Yep. Yeah. Now, I I get what you're saying there. Like, it's um, everybody can, that has worked in an office or has had to deal with the politics of an office, particularly a very heavily corporatized, very unconcerned with actual humanity, all about the bottom line and the, you know, whatever you can do to... Get the production up, get the numbers up, get the money in, bring in that bacon. That's all that fucking matters. Anybody who's ever lived in that life can really appreciate what this film is getting at. And especially those of us that may have gotten saddled with an office job who, when we were younger, would have threatened to burn that facility down and probably are ashamed of themselves for what they've done. If you have sold out and taken a job just to be able to survive in a world like this, this film appeals to you. And I'm also sharing a little too much there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, that's why I fucking love it. I, I don't have very much else to say about the flick, man. We've done about two hours, just you and me, just talking about this movie with a little bit of talk at the beginning of the episode. I mean, that's how much fun we had with it.
1: Yeah, it's this is a high recommend, especially if you get got Shudder. Like, you need to be checking out stuff like this that's only, I think, available on there. You might be able to rent this on Amazon at this point, but when this first came out, Shudder was a place to get it. It's, it, it it's not to be a commercial for Shudder here or anything but it's like five bucks a month like and you get cool shit like this and you get, a, you get a chance to see it outside of the festival circuit which usually costs a goddamn fortune to go to so so you support shit like this
0: yeah I actually I'm a big fan of Shudder as well and I talk about it pretty frequently both on Facebook and other social media and also on the podcast that I subscribe to it and I have yet to find a film that I absolutely have hated on there there's been some stuff where i've been yeah well that's okay you know but i can't say that about too many other streaming services and the thing that i love about shutter is it's specifically for me i mean they literally made it for me when they hired joe
1: bob oh definitely yeah <laughs> if you want to you want to keep my subscription money until the end of fucking time just keep keep joe bob doing specials and I'll, I'll be there
0: yeah give him like a season every couple of months and i'll be there and you'll you'll keep my yearly subscription for sure and it's movies like this that are just the icy on the cake. I bought the Blu-ray before I knew that it was available. Now I keep a subscription to shutter because there's a bunch of films that become exclusives on there. Like you said, these little like festival darlings, revenge is one of them uh, Mandy. as well. Mandy is one of them as well. That came to shutter. I would not have seen Mandy if it weren't for it being on shutter. Yeah. That's where I gave it the opportunity at. And I'm very glad that I did. Uh, so yeah, it's, this isn't necessarily a commercial for shutter, but we're both fans because we both really enjoy it. So they, there you go.
1: they provide a valuable service. And like when other, other streaming shit kind of drops the ball, like, so you- You know, when you gotta find that hard to find Fulci movie. It's probably on shutter,
0: right? And if it's not there, it's on Amazon prime by somebody pirating it. So go find it there. If you can't find it on shutter, but chances are, if you find it on prime, it's because shutter offered it to prime as well. While they have it, (laughs) man, after (laughs) that, that a few times
1: after that fucking debacle with one cut of the dead, like every day they go. A lot of people are real gun shy when stuff that like we just saw at a festival, not that long ago, pops up on Amazon prime. I was just talking to somebody about a movie called the pool from Thailand. that it actually came out in Thailand last year and played a shitload of stuff before we ever got it here in the States. And like a week after, it played a fantastic fest. It popped up on Amazon Prime. Everybody's like, oh, my God, is this an official release? Who the, who the hell is this company that's putting this out? Nobody's ever heard of these guys. And I do like some deep, deep homework. And it's just like, man, Amazon's got to get this shit together. Or they're going to turn into the next like Pirate Bay, basically, where they're not going to be able to control what gets uploaded there. They already can't.
0: They also don't care because we're back to that whole soulless corporation thing. Yep.
1: <laughs> Amazon, the ultimate soulless corporation. We'll be we'll be lucky to have desk jobs in thirty years and not be working in the fucking Amazon robot warehouses, changing the oil in old bender. Who's gonna get you your fucking dog food to your house two day delivery? Jesus Christ, that's depressing.
0: Well, with that note, folks, we're gonna play the ending Legion promo
1: out here. We're gonna have a little bit
0: more music that's befitting of Joe Lynch's Mayhem. When we come back, Mark and I will close out this fucking show.
2: If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Mean Power Hour, Hello, This Is The Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show. the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shade Cast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock with such a widespread shows. There is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy And opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube And any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found
6: And you're gonna know I am today But you're the I i I was a kid A savage bloodbath. Stick a dagger deep in your chest And In the pool of blood Where you In a deep day On the cold, cold ground Watch your square Watch the murder Fucking pigs Legalize pigs Fucking pigs Legalize Fucking pigs Legalize
0: Fucking pigs Mark, I don't know if you'd believe me or not, but I've been looking for an excuse to play another Gigi Allen song on this show, and I'm really glad you picked this particular movie because I felt it fit.
1: So you finally got that one in, did you? (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to find a movie that fits with a chorus, Fucking Pigs
1: Legalize Murder.
0: And they kind (laughs) of legalize murder in this movie if you got the red eye.
1: Yeah, basically. (laughs) I mean, I don't even feel like you really needed that in this movie, and I probably would have been okay with a lot of the violence. But they, they throw that in there, and you're like, okay, bring it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, if you can get away with the grievous bodily harm, why not bring the mayhem, right? Yep. That's that's why they named the film what they did. Well, if you want to bring the mayhem into your life, I would s- strongly suggest you check out our landing and l- launching page on LegionPodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops there's also the facebook group cinema psyops where hopefully mark will have posted the various videos that he has from the links for youtube that he's done his work on and uh, any other stuff that he might be working on at the moment you can find me on facebook as court psyops you can find matt on facebook as matt psyop but he probably won't respond to you if you want to send him some well wishes he definitely checks his email psyop at gmail.com you can send him a get well notice naked photos of your dog or something. Get
1: well boobs.
0: Yeah, send them photos of boobs that are get well boobs. And actually, (laughs) uh, send me the photos of the get well boobs as well, just so I can make sure that they're the kind
1: of get-well boobs that will make them feel better, right? Or, yeah. So you can s- save them for when you need to get well.
0: Right, yes. Yeah. So or just send me photos of boobs, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. You can also twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats. I'm at court underscore psyop. He's at psyopmat. We're on the gram of Insta, cinema underscore psyops. And by we, I mean me. There's also that Flick Chat group code of cinema, psyops. I'm not on there as much as I'd like to. And Mark, you said you have an Instagram for following your videos and photography and all that stuff that you're doing
1: yeah the instagram is fancy underscore mark all the rest of my crap is just fancy mark like Letterbox and uh, twitter's the fancy mark so if you just look around there you can probably you can find me i'm out there i'm putting shit online
0: i'm also following mark on the instagram i'm friends with mark on the uh facebook's mark's in the group and all of that kind of stuff if you want to reach out to mark it's he's really easy to find fancy mark not out, hard at all i'm out there. check out yeah check out those videos and again mark seriously whenever this gets posted on uh, sunday go ahead feel free put that stuff in the group let, let everybody see that stuff man I worked I really hard it. on it. they should check it out thanks man well i appreciate you uh coming on and helping fill in for the show i had a blast uh you weren't just chosen because you were first come first serve you were chosen because i haven't gotten to fucking chat with you and actually had to do a good show with you in a, a long time so it was a blast to have you on thanks again
1: yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man.
0: And everybody, thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. Raise a little of your own fucking mayhem. Get a little red-eyed. Kick the fuck out of everything in sight and this week and make them your bitch.
6: Well, I find it hard to concentrate while you sit there and contemplate Why success is such an aphrodisiac Cause the push comes down to shove and you start to talk to love I don't know why I don't get up and give your face a smack
1: Talk checking the mic one two or five. Looks like she's recording. <laughs> good old, good old Audacity. It's a fucking workhorse of the Brook audio producer world.
0: I actually use Audacity for a good amount of the production stuff that I do. Right. Um, I do a lot of truncate silence. A lot of leveling stuff is done through there. Um, most of my chopping, just because I'm used to it, I do in Final Cut Pro, just because I'm used to it. Yeah. And that's that's just what I, what I know how to do, and I'm actually a lot quicker with it. When I have to try and edit in anything else, I'm slow as fuck, but for whatever reason, because I know the key commands in Final Cut Pro, I just edit in that. <laughs> yeah. And I... I already had a copy, you know?
1: <laughs> I guess it's one of those things, yeah, I'm sure there's probably other programs that work better, but I know Audacity, like, the back of my hand, so yeah, I've, I've used it for everything. I use it for audio, like, on videos and stuff, and, yeah, it's, like, it's, uh, like like all my stop-motion stuff, the, all, the whole audio track is just built from the ground up, so I want something, like, as easy as possible to use and be able to, like, time stuff with
0: yeah that's it's strange that you do all of the audio stuff for your video in audacity i can see doing a few effects and you know cleaning up the audio and the main thing i would think that you would do a lot of your clip editing and you know kind of putting the various voices together in like your actual nle
1: video editor yeah well uh, i don't know I, I, I just I, I, Like I said, Audacity is the easy one to use, and I, kn- I know right where everything's at, so that's usually the one I go for. I, the, when I'm doing, like, music stuff, I use Ableton, obviously, my fucking, like, $600 fucking audio suite that I've got. And, uh, yeah, there's there's still some stuff, like, like just basically, like, like, two-channel cutting and stuff that's just way fucking easier to do in Audacity.
0: Yeah, I do all the clips for the show. Uh, in Audacity, that's where I do all the crossfade clips and all that to shorten everything, like the trailers and all that. That's all done in Audacity. Great. but like the the serious hardcore editing, which is still weird to do audio editing in a video editing program. It's just that I can cut out an area and chop it and delete it and just like basically just pull two areas together better because that's what video editors are for. Yeah, and like your your Appletons, your Studio Ones, your Whatever the Apple one is, I can't remember the name of the Apple one. Uh. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not, it's like a. Garage band? No, no. Well, yeah, GarageBand, but also like their are more high-end yeah, one yeah. that's like comparable to Appleton. The one that like the main music industry standard for a lot of people, whatever. But all of those, they don't have like that same kind of like ripple delete because if you're removing something in those, you got to keep time for the music that they're doing. They're not an audio editor specifically for the type of format. Whereas if you edit the audio in a video editor like that, it will cut it. You know, whenever you delete something, it doesn't leave the space.
1: Right, which that would, yeah, especially if you're writing To like audio to video, basically, that would come in real hand. I do it the old fashioned way, kind of where I just sit and count, like, okay, this needs a footstep of 10 seconds, this needs like this and this. And it's, I'm probably doing it the fucking hard way when I could just be doing it in like a video editor real easy. But
0: I can promise you, Mark, you are doing things the hard way if you're doing it in Audacity. Yeah, that's why I was so surprised. But that makes me respect your work that much (laughs) even more, man.
1: It's a pain in the ass.
0: That hard. Well, you're doing it almost the old-fashioned way, where like they would literally have a tape running, and they would record the audio tracks to the tapes as they're doing the editing to try and sync sound and all of that. I mean, you're doing like the digital equivalent of that. Is what it sounds like.
1: Basically, yeah. It's it's all just kind of built from the ground up.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a really bizarre fucking Blu-ray. It also has a real issue with. Uh, I, I it, it starts up on the Blu-ray, and it's like seventy thousand trailers that you have to like skip through before you get to the actual menu and the blu-ray player it won't save where it is on the blu-ray player it doesn't have the the java script or whatever the fuck it is it runs in the background on the blu-rays i think it's written in java whatever the programming is for those menus it doesn't have it it doesn't save it to the memory on the blu-ray player because my blu-ray player has that like every other fucking blu-ray i put in there does that so i stopped the blu-ray to go talk to my wife when she got home from bowling and i had to restart the fucking thing and oh, find out where i was that's annoying. I was, I was so pissed, I'm like, even my streaming on Shudder would have fucking done this. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. I paused because I thought you had something you wanted to say there for a sec. Uh,
1: I didn't. I uh, kind of lift my brain. That's okay. All right. This just seemed like that in Mandy kind of, too, I think, where Nicolas Cage gets, the, gets some drugs thrown in his face. Uh, works against the whoever threw it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I just watched that, actually, after my uh, Halloween party with everybody. Um, most of my guests were not as impressed with it as I was, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, well, we can't. We, they're not all as cool as us, I guess.
0: <laughs> nah, it just wasn't for them. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. not, and Mandy's not for everybody.
1: No, it's not. Definitely <laughs> not. God.